0: good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome into hoopsville on this thursday evening it is the 24th of january and uh, 2019 just to be clear we are turning a corner here in the division three basketball season i'm your host dave McHugh, coming to you from the wbca nabc studios With help from our friends, not only at the WBCA, NABC, and, of course, d3hoops.com, but also Blue Frame Technology. If you've got questions for us throughout the show or at any time, you can always email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also tweet us, at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash Hoopsal, those are the ways to chat with us and we hope you'll take advantage of them when and if you're interested we know we have a number of good friends who who do so and uh we always enjoy that to say the least we also get conversations throughout the week uh as well we'll get to who we have on the show here momentarily but we should start with quote-unquote breaking news Uh, NCAA convention is going on right now. You might remember, if you're good friends of the show over the years, that we have gone to that on several occasions. Obviously, we're not there as we are in the studio here. But um, a first, well, it it depends on who you're talking to, but a first All-Association vote in at least a handful of years, some say 11, um, has just taken place in Orlando on this Thursday evening. And a, a... Change is coming to the Board of Governors. Now, the Board of Governors is the overarching uh, board that runs the NCAA. It's always members of the NCAA institutions not and, and conferences, not those technically in the offices. While some are in the offices are on that, like Mark Emmert, he doesn't vote. Um, they have changed it per the basketball investigation in Division I that has been taking place for a year or so now, Per the Rice uh, investigation, the Independent Councils Group—Independent Councils is a bad term, but ind- independent investigation—to try and get more voices into the NCAA, especially from technically outside of the NCAA or at least not member institutions. It's a little complicated. We put out an article earlier today, an op-ed earlier today, saying why I thought the N- uh, Division Three had a chance here to leverage this opportunity. They had a chance here to say to Division One, "This is yours. This is your issue. This is your push." That means we need one of two things from you: either we get one of those five seats, and that means somebody at large uh, who's a Division Three individual, whether it, it, it's as pie in the sky as a Cecil Shorts the third of of Mount Union who played professional football, or a London London Fletcher, or who, whomever you want to choose. Um, that played professional sports or at least has a big say in it and is a Division Three student-athlete or somebody else of that ilk, and, and there's quite a few, they are either put on the board to represent Division Three, or my more pie-in-the-sky idea was we want a higher percentage of the budget. We need to clo- figure out how we get more money into Division Three so that we can run our championships a little bit better. And as a result of running those championships a little bit better, um, we can have fair competition on top of the fact that you all at Division I look at Division Three with these. This is the way we should do it. These are true student-athletes. This is what we should celebrate. Okay, celebrate it then. Help us out. Give us a little bit more of the Division One money and we will go along with this vote we will go along with not necessarily having a guaranteed extra seat at the table because you have to understand division 3 only has 2 of what are 20 seats 16 of them voting division 2 only has 2 of that same allotment these 5 additional seats will now outnumber division 2 and division 3 combined and i had started to hear that division 3 we heard it sunday with chris martins interview from the cciw the commissioner that there were some in division three talking about voting against this idea and talking with some others. I got the sense that there were more voices than I expected and they could remember there's 450 some odd division three members. There's 350 division one and there's 300 division two rough estimate numbers. There's an opportunity here for division three to make a play. Is it a clean play? No. Is it, is it tact tack, you know, using some tact Oh, absolutely. They may need to get some Division II people on board, and I think from what I was gathering, there seemed to be some Division IIs who had the same mentality. This isn't our problem. We're here to help you. Here's how you can help us. Yeah, I thought of the idea a little late. Should have gotten this one out a little sooner, to be honest with you. It didn't come to mind. I didn't think it through. I hadn't had serious conversations about it. Long story short, From what we've gathered out of the convention, and I really wish they would stream these things or at least make them more available. They certainly tweet about them. There was some contention. There were some members, over 200 of them, who said, we don't like this. Uh, This is a D1 problem. But I think they had an opportunity there. Listen, 203 voted against it. There was some play there to really put egg on D1's face because here's the deal. D1... Wanted this vote on a Thursday. Normally, these votes take place on Saturdays, and they take place at the end of the convention after everyone has had meetings and conversations and whatnot, and hear how, and and even a what we call it, they call an issue forum on Friday, which basically discusses. The topics that are up for legislation, also straw polls for future legislation and and whatnot. It's basically what I would actually call a business session. But then on Saturday, when it's actually voting, they call that the business anyway. The business session on Saturday is when they vote. And a few years ago, there was an all-NCAA vote to add women's volleyball to the sports, making it, remember, it used to be the Elite elite, elite 89 award. Now it's the Elite 90. Well, that's because of women's volleyball being added. So that was how i feel is the last all association vote now this may be the first one where everyone was in the same room the reason they had to do that was because mark emmert always gives his state of the ncaa as i call it speech on thursdays of the convention and the ncaa is going to want this vote tonight you know why they're going to want this vote tonight now the media talks about it tonight and they all talk about it tomorrow if they voted all this on saturday like they normally do you're not getting as much media attention Saturday and Sunday, and maybe they all remember to talk about it on Monday. Yeah, that's why they voted for it on Thursday. But I also felt like that didn't give Division II and Division Three a chance in their own meetings to really start having a conversation about it. Do we want to support this? And can't they? Listen, Division II might want to get some something out of the deal. I, I don't know. But my point being is I felt there was less time. Am I against the proposal? No. I, I understand the idea of five extra members being on the BOG who do not necessarily uh, represent institutions or represent uh, c- uh, bigger ideals. I think there's got to be some transparency. I think Division Two and Division Three need to make sure their seat is still at the table. But that is the breaking news. That has passed at the convention. That's about the biggest news that I think was going to be coming out of the convention here this year. Uh, in Division Three world, uh, there is a practice preseason change for football that's on the table that appears may pass. There is one for field hockey and soccer, kind of an acclamation type thing. That one probably won't pass, and the sack is even against that one. There's a social media one, et cetera. There's some other things. We will talk more about it with James Wagner, who will be on the show later, and we look forward to having him. He's the assistant commissioner of the CSAC, good friend of the show, as you might remember, um, and we hope we'll hear from him about that. But again, I feel like Division Three missed an opportunity here. And yes, I was late to the table in suggesting it. Not that everyone listens to me. Do not get me wrong. But uh, several hundred people and higher, I should check, um... Yeah, well over three hundred, or close to three hundred people, in the span of a few hours, at least listened to the idea that we presented. Um, I think it's probably worth the effort. I, I think the leverage could have been there. We'll vote for this if you give us more of a percentage. If you take Division Three and meet them at the same percentage Division Two is, take three point one eight to what was that, I think four point three seven. We increase Division Three's budget on a yearly basis by twelve and a half million dollars by current numbers, or last year's numbers. Twelve and a half million dollars. Can you imagine what Division Three can do with twelve and a half million dollars to its championships when three quarters of the money is already going to championships, and we're already spending? Geez, I think we spend twelve million dollars just on one gender, if I remember the stats right, in in championships. So twelve and a half more million dollars. One, you can do more for governance, you can do more for management, and you can do more for, for projects to support Division three institutions and support Division three student-athletes. But you can also add more money to the budget to run championships, and we wouldn't be talking about can wit and wit be split. We wouldn't talk about, in football, two top seven programs from the same conference playing in the first round. We wouldn't be talking about these other little things that we know challenge these championships for the biggest division in Division Three. I think Division Three had a chance to leverage it. Unfortunately, I don't know if anybody thought it out. And, and that's not a knock because I just thought about it in the last 48 hours. It finally hit me. Wait. They can leverage this. If you've got to bring Division II in, fine. Let's find out what Division II wants from the deal. I would argue, shallowly, Division II asking for more money is a little bit... Eh. You got a ton of money for the smallest division, but maybe there is something that they can guarantee for Division Two. So I felt like there was a leverage point there. Unfortunately, it wasn't thought. And, and here's the deal some people are like, well, Division One just doesn't, says, forget it. We don't need you. We'll take our ball and go home. But they're not. Here's the deal they're not taking their ball and going home. Division One also has other sports besides football and basketball, and football is not even an NCAA sport for the Power Five. They have other sports. Those other sports, those championships are paid for by these contracts. Yes, I understand Division I brings in those contracts, but you think the money's going to be the same? Anyway, we can go down a rabbit hole, and I I don't want to do that. But really interesting situation there at the convention. We'll talk to Wags, as we said, a little bit more about it at a later time in this program. Um, let's talk about guests real quick. Then we'll do a quick recap of the top 25. Uh, we've got an interesting grouping on the show. A lot of teams that I think a lot of us were watching for most of the season going, okay, off to a good start. When's that going to end? One of them in particular being, um, St. Thomas has, has a meteoric rise, as you could say into the top 10. They're the seventh ranked team in the country now. We all know the Tommies have been good in the past, but this is a different Tommies team. We'll have John Tower on the show to talk about that. Jason Leon from Oswego will join us to talk about his team in the same light. They knocked off Plattsburgh, which removed Plattsburgh from the top 25. Oswego did not enter. You may have heard of what Ryan and I thought of all of that on Sunday's show. Jason will be on the show to talk about Oswego, talk about the SUNYAC, talk about the East region. Uh, we'll switch gears and talk to Carrie Jenkins, the Oberlin women's basketball coach in the WBCA center court. Huge proponent of diversity, not only with his team, uh, inclusiveness, et cetera, but also in the NCAC and how that has changed the conference. But on top of that, how they've become more competitive. We'll talk to Kerry in the WBCA Center Court segment. Mark, uh, I said, yeah, Matt Wardenberg. I said Matt on the graphic. It's on on our write-up. It's Adam. We will fix that. Adam Wardenberg, the head coach of Southern Virginia women's team, will join us. First-year head coach program is on top of the CAC they have come out blistering maybe some questions in the CAC as to what happened well we talked to Adam the question you should ask is how did you get hired because that is the best story of the night at least at this point that you may hear we'll talk to Adam coming up in a pre-taped segment and then James Wagner as we mentioned the CSAC assistant commissioner will join us with a report live from the NCAA convention don't forget, Sunday will also be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. A week from tonight will be the marathon show. We haven't gotten a lot of details out yet. That's our our fault, but we'll work on it. It will be a truncated show. A lot of you are used to our 12-hour marathon efforts. Uh, without going into a lot of details, those twelve hour mar- the 12-hour show just wasn't possible this year. Um, despite what you all, uh, any fans of the show may know, wasn't due to threats from my wife, though that was in the back of my head. Um for varying reasons, personally, uh, we're cutting back to – it th- looks like we'll do about eight hours. We'll probably go on about 12 Eastern and go until about 8 Eastern. That's our, my, our thought. We've already got some great guests lined up, and we hope to book up some more in the meantime. Um, all right, so let's quickly talk about the top 25, at least starting on the men's side. We may get to the women a little bit later. Really quiet so far. St. John's lost to St. Thomas in a heck of a match uh, game on Monday – um 74 72 in overtime. Um, I got a great message here I want to read. I, I'll read it in a second. Um, not a, they came back and beat St. Mary's. I think St. John's and St. Thomas, what they really proved in that is that they're very two very good teams. I don't think that's a knock on St. John's, and I hope the votes um, the voters see that way as well. Lynchburg took their second loss of the season. Guilford. Guilford's been this really wacky team in the Odak, knocking off some good. T- Teams while having some weird results themselves. Guilford beat them 88 82 in overtime. Lynchburg, we told you, was in the middle of a heck of a grind here. They've got Randolph Macon coming up, so Lynchburg's going to try and keep from going on a two game slide here with the 12th ranked Yellow Jackets to play. um Loris lost to Wartburg. I don't know if I'm surprised or not, though it's Loris's fourth loss. They may drop out of the top 25 as a result. But we told you that the American Rivers Conference was going to be a dandy on the men's side. It's proven to be that way. It may be a dandy on the women's side, but on the men's side, it's been outstanding. Wittenberg lost to DePaul. I think now the Wittenberg voters will disappear. Uh, 77-75 in overtime. DePaul, we, I've read from a few who thought that DePaul was a a team to watch in that conference this season but wittenberg i think at this point is maybe showing its true colors and even i missed that and i've said that at the beginning of the season arcadia in the receiving votes category i voted for him if you read my blog they went and probably lost to rosemont on monday night 89 86 but even from what i'm heard that may not be something you want to keep track of though rosemont wasn't even starting two of its senior captains um or playing them Arcadia's got Stevenson up next. That's the game we should watch. See how Arcadia bounce back against a really good Musking squad. Salisbury lost to Christopher Newport, 67-64. I think the wheels aren't coming off of Salisbury, but they've slightly derailed, to say the least. Uh, they got St. Mary's ahead, which I don't think is going to be a major concern, Um, but the 15th-ranked captains get a win by three in that one. Eastern Connecticut defeated Amherst. Uh, Eastern Connecticut and Amherst do not get along this year. They're like oil and water in both men's and women's basketball. That's twice. Eastern Connecticut has knocked off Amherst in men's and women's basketball, both at ill-timed because Amherst had really taken a leap into the top 25 and they lost by 1982-61. It also might mean that some of us are underrating Eastern Connecticut. And then Mount Union lost to John Carroll. We'll talk about the women on the other side. Get this nice note from a viewer. It says, despite the outcome of the NCAA vote, your thoughtful op-ed on which uh, – on it was much appreciated by those of us wary of future diluting of influence of in division three. Well done. And thank you. Thank you for your kind words about it. I appreciate it. Mark, aloha to you as well, sir. Appreciate you tuning in uh, to the show. We're going to take a break. Cause we've got to get to a couple of guests really quick here tonight. We're going to get things rolling with the, uh, the uh, head coach of St. John's. I'm sorry. St. Thomas. We'll try that again. Head coach of St. Thomas will be on the show talk about the tommies just how good are they i i didn't expect them to be right back in the top 10 and and really in in the conversation at that level already maybe i just completely misread the tommies and i should have known better we'll find out from the head coach of the tommies coming up you're listening to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios more hoops when we return
1: football has taught me a lot throughout my life
4: game but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes it's more than that, a lot more.
3: Sure the game is important but as we work so hard to build both mind and body it's more about team.
4: That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream we are working to make this a better world.
3: Help us keep that dream alive.
4: You can make a difference. I'm a
1: Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
5: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory
3: way or any other homophobic terms.
5: If you can play,
6: you can play in Division III.
5: I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family, so now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III
2: we've got more schools than division 1, more fans than division 2, and more upsets than march madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From eastern to occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from southwestern to the university of New England, and from Hope to Calvin nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
3: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
1: Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Mike Miller, head coach of Messiah Women's Basketball and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We really hope you enjoy the show. Back to you, Dave.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville. Thanks to the Messiah head coach uh, at Women's Basketball for that nice rejoin. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Look forward to hearing from all of you. when you, uh, If you've got questions or just send it along, and some of you just sent notes saying, hey, we're here. We appreciate that. All right, so on uh, Thursday shows, we primarily talk about the East region, Mid-Atlantic, South, and West regions. In the West, it is going to be a dandy on the men's side when we see regional rankings. There are so many good teams. And I think St. Thomas has kind of reinserted their foot in the door, as it were. They, remember, were 14-12 and last season, 19-8 the year before. Of course, the 30-3 and run in 2015-16. 14-12 told us a lot. They're going to retool. We understand that. Not a lot of expectations. So my expectations for this season were wait and see. Well, they lost the first game to Brooklyn, 78-77. Uh, they haven't lost since. They've been on a tear, including a big win over St. John's on Monday, 74-72 in overtime, and then got past Concordia-Moorhead. And one could, could argue could have been a trap game, 88-53. they got uh, Carrollton coming up on the 26th. So what to make of the Tommies? Well, Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach, our good friend John Tower. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time.
7: Hey Dave, thank you uh, for having me on. Great to catch up
0: with you. Absolutely, wonderful to have you. Um, again, first loss was seventy-eight, seventy-seven. I've asked this a lot of a lot of people. It'll be a common theme tonight. Did you expect to be where you guys are right now when the season began?
8: Uh,
7: well, I I don't I don't know about that. Probably not after we lost our first game and then <laughs> we were uh, we were tied with about five minutes left to Emerson, who had a big win last night over Babson yep. and. Um, So no, I think we'd rattle off 16 in a row after that with some really tough opponents. You never look at it like that as a coach. You always think you have a chance to win. But we're certainly we're thrilled to be you know in this position, and um, I just really love coaching these guys. They're a lot of fun to work with every day.
0: What's been different about this team? I mean, again, 14 and 12 last year, but someone expected you lost some really good talent ahead of last year's season, and I know you brought back a lot this year. But what is it about this squad? that is clicking so well?
7: Well, I, I mean, first off, I think last year was, you know, certainly it was not a year we were thrilled with the record, but it was a great group of guys. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, coming off from the 2015 team. I mean, really, we'd won 12 straight conference titles, one or shared. Right. And last year we, we had a younger group, for sure. We had a ton of injuries, and none of that's an, an excuse. It just mm-hmm. is a reality. We lost a bunch of close games. We played a really tough schedule. And I think the confluence of those factors, um, you know, led to the result. And, you know, again, we didn't love the result, but it was a fun group to, to work with. And so at the end of the season, it was the kind of deal where you step back and you certainly evaluate everything in your program from how we're coaching to how we're recruiting to what we're doing on offense and defense. But I think that, you know, the consensus was, look, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. This is, you know, we believe in what we're doing and we think we're going to be more veteran and we think we're going to be healthier. And we added some really good freshmen and, You know the result has been, you know, to this point, uh, a really, really fun, fun
0: run. We should point out we've talked a little bit about this, like Springfield on this show, where sometimes you get these really incredible records because, well, luck just goes your way, and that's that's just basketball. Sometimes the ball bounces into the rim, and sometimes it bounces out. We should point out you're you're a, a put back shot away from being undefeated at this point because that's how the Brooklyn game ended. But you also, in that incredible triple overtime game against Augsburg, you trailed in every single stanza. You trailed in the first half, the second half, and all three overtimes. Some things have gone your way, and in some ways, you guys have really fought to be in the position you're in.
7: Well, yeah, and I think that's basketball, though, right? I mean, I think Mm -hmm. every year, you you can look at the years where things go magically and probably point to three or four games during the season, maybe more than that, where... You found a way to win twenty eleven our first national title, we trailed in the second half in eighteen of our thirty three games hmm. and that team was really good we Went thirty and thirty and three, but it came from behind a lot and so there are you know there are a lot of ways to win basketball games, but yeah. it's tough i mean our conference is really good yeah um five different teams have been in the national tournament the last two years alone yeah. five different teams in two years um we were picked fourth in the preseason and i you know i i don't i Based on last year, we were in fifth place last year. I mean, there's, there's excellent teams and coaches and players. And so um, it's easy on the outside to think, why are these teams losing? Well, sports is a zero-sum deal where one team wins and one team loses, and right. it's, it's hard. Um, so the teams that have ups and downs, it's, uh, as, as a coach, you certainly understand them.
0: You're stealing all my questions. I was going <laughs> mention, <laughs> to mention about the fact you were picked fourth uh, in the conference after what happened last season and just the way things happened. But you guys have, you, you, I mean, you've not only got a really tough conference, but you've got a non, you don't have a lot of non-conference games, but those have been tough ones too. Um, let's start with the non-conference quickly because we'll backdoor into the conference a little bit here. Emerson, as you said, I mean, they've beaten MIT and Babson. Now they've shown to be a, a better team than maybe advertised you took on Brooklyn, who I think is a little bit undersung a bit. Where you had River Falls in that scheduling as well. How much has it helped you prepare for what is? Well, and by the way, we should point out you you, you beat Stevens Point by sixteen. How much has those games prepared you for what is? We use the term a lot: a grind in the Mayak
7: it well we always try and do unique things with our non-conference schedule and for us it really started in the summer we went to Costa Rica and Panama so it was the second time we had done that trip with beyond sports and Josh Erickson and um that was an awesome bonding experience the last time we did it was before the 2016 season and hmm. um Josh <laughs> joked that you know as long as we do the same thing he'd be he'd be happy <laughs> with us the um you know the Brooklyn trip we weren't I mean, how much fun is it for our guys? We we're walking through Times Square. Yeah. We took the train to the game. We were in a snowstorm on the way to the game. Now losing at the buzzer <laughs> is not what you want. Um, but then you're out there sightseeing together, and then we go to Boston and have a great couple days. Billy Curley is their coach who played mm-hmm. for the Timberwolves, and right. um, so it was fun to spend time with him. And then yeah, we played at US Bank, first basketball game in the history of US Bank Stadium, right. where the Final Four is going to be played. We played River Falls there. Uh, and got a good win, and then, uh, you know, St. Scholastica, and then the Stevens Point game. I thought that was a, a turning point for our program as well. I mean, we've, I think we've played them 12 times now in the last 10 years, and, um, you know, they're just built on toughness and defense and everything that's right about basketball. And um, to get that win, a 16 point win on our home court going into the break, I thought was, you know, some nice momentum. And then, and since then, I think we've, you know, we've played solid ball in the conference, but they are, as you said, there are a lot of really good teams that on any given night, um, you know, present great challenges.
0: Well, and you had that great game against St. John's earlier this week, and you'd said five teams in the NCAA tournament in the last two years that said, you know, it, it sounds great, but how much, what do you have to, t- what's the message of the team, the rest of this grouping? I mean, you got nothing ahead of you is going to be easy in the conference because you still have St. John's ahead of you. You got Augsburg who's showing some life and obviously sent you triple overtime, you got St. Olaf and others. How do you keep the guys focused on, yes, the game at hand, but understanding there's a bigger picture here we got to keep ourselves in play for?
7: Well, I think, you know, first off, we have some great veterans. You know, our three senior captains, Connor Bear, Michael Hannon, and GT Johnson. I mean, these guys were freshmen on a national championship team, and last year they were on a fifth place team in the conference. So they've seen everything from the, you know, the ultimate in Division Three. Uh, their sophomore year, we lost a heartbreaker in the national tournament to Augustana yeah. at the buzzer, and they went to the national final. So that year, I thought actually we were really really tough in 2017. Um, lost Grant Shafer, all American point guard, and some others off that squad, and so so I think you know we don't have to say a lot. I mean, our guys we get really bright kids at St. Thomas, and they know they're picked <laughs> fourth in the conference, and they know last year our record was 14 and 12, um, and they're humble guys and they're hardworking. So it's it's really um, You know, it's not something we belabor, but we certainly remind them that nothing's promised to us. And they've, you know, I think yesterday was a great example coming off a a good win against St. John's and a packed environment. And I I think there's no doubt, in my mind, St. John's has top five talent. They're great, really well coached. Like, that, they're awesome. Um, To beat them and then come out last night against Concordia and, um, you know, be up 25 at halftime, I thought that showed a certain maturity on Mm -hmm. our guys' part to, to refocus.
0: Um, are you allowed to compliment St. John's in that rivalry? Is that is that kosher? You're you not going to get fined, are you?
7: Oh, we, you know, the schools are really, <laughs> like most things in life, the schools are probably far more similar than they are yes. different, right? They're Agreed. outstanding Catholic institutions of higher ed. Pat's an alum of his school. I'm an alum of St. Thomas. I mean, it, it really, it, it's a fun rivalry, yeah. but they've got phenomenal players, and it's, you know, the fans get into it, but I think the coaches – you know, we've got a lot of respect for them and what they did last year and had an outstanding team and they've got another one this year.
0: Uh talking with John Tari here, head coach of the Tommies, who are seventh ranked in the country. We'll talk about the team and then we'll wrap things up. Uh Anders Nelson, a freshman guard, leading the way at sixteen and a half points a game a game, and then two seniors in Connor Bear and Michael Hannon, eight and a half respectively. The top rebounder on the team is Bear as well at five rebounds, though. So. Nelson hang- pulls down four rebounds and then hands out five assists a game, with two and a half steals. Let me start with Nelson because he kind of reminds me of a few guys you mentioned earlier, like Schaefer, in the sense that he's a he's a real cog and a real catalyst.
7: Yeah, I mean we've been blessed to have some unbelievable point guards at St. Thomas over the years, and you know Grant Schaefer being one of them, Tyler Nikolai being another. Yeah. Eric Tangwall was a three-year starter for us. Uh, Sean Sweeney before them, Mark Burry was an All-American. I mean, we really, at that position, we've been fortunate. And, uh, you know, Anders has certainly stepped in as a freshman, and um, to do what he's done is is pretty remarkable. And I, I think the best thing about him is he's very coachable. You know, he really, he, he's got a motor, and he he loves to just go, 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 which we want to play really fast and up-tempo. Um, but there are times we have to rein him in, you know, and, and he's, he's so curious and wants to, I mean, he just, he has this quest for excellence, which makes it a joy to coach when I got, you know, it's a little like raising kids, right? You'd rather (laughs) have kids that you have to rein in and tell them, knock it off a little bit. than somebody you got to kick in the butt and say, get going. And he, um, he's been, uh, you know, I think you, you literally rattled off the stats, but I I think just his, his competitiveness and his love of the game has been special. And we're also playing a freshman at a backup point guard spot, Riley Miller. And so, uh, the two of them, and, and we've got a couple other freshman guards on the varsity that we're, uh, we're excited down the road for what our, I think our guards
0: can be like. I think the other thing, too, is you're 10 deep every single game. You are 10 <laughs> deep. That is, that, is a, that is a huge advantage to have as the season wears on.
7: Yeah, we play. Uh, we've we've kind of been doing this line change thing a fair amount since the season's King oh, game. We don't do it all on. the time, but we well, it makes it a little easier for the PA guy. He gets no. The it does not. Out, so we, um, <laughs> so we, you know, we'll play ten to twelve guys in most first. Well, most halves, and uh, it's you know we like to play up tempo. We like to run. We like to press a little bit, and uh, and it's a fun way to play. You know, it's we've we did that from about oh eight to about fourteen, and. And in 16, when we won it, we were playing about seven guys yeah, most
0: games, much shorter.
7: And some people in Salem were a little disappointed. Like, what? What happened? <laughs> You're not pressing anymore. And we, I think it's one of the hallmarks of what we try and be adaptable. And if we can be deep and run, we're gonna. And if we aren't as deep, you know, then we we probably won't. Um, but Mike Keating is my top assistant coach who runs our defense and does just a phenomenal job with. You know, whatever we end up doing, yeah. it's just how do we piece this together and, and have a good game
0: plan. For the record as a PA announcer, no. Ten, line changes are not easier, John. <laughs> yeah, that's five names I gotta rattle off in a very short period of time versus one or two. No, no or
7: you just say the other day a guy at a, a road game just you just say there's a line change for Saint Thomas. Yes. You I've him, done well, that but I meant I, just...
0: I did that in a game with my alma mater one time. I don't know why, but we were in a jokative mood in the game and I just went, Goucher, substitutions. Line change for the other line. And I even got a smirk out of the coaching staff. Um, they, they aren't doing that as much. Uh, real quick, I just wanted something that jumped out of me from the information Gene sent along, which he always does a great job of, it, it, which kind of blew my mind. Your, your eighth season, you took over for obviously a great coach uh, who's here, now your retiring AD, but you now have the second highest active winning percentage in Division III, sixth highest winning percentage in all of NCAA men's basketball. You not only took what Coach Prince had, but you made it better, and now you've got – those are incredible numbers to consider eight years into your term.
7: Well, I mean, thank you. I don't I don't know that we've done anything better. I mean, Coach is a legend, and you know, he just retired after 52 years. We have a new athletic director, right. Phil Eston, who uh, I graduated with the same year at St. Thomas, and we're excited to have Phil on board. But, you know, all I'll say about that, Dave, when you win a lot of games, it's – you know this. It's a reflection of the players you have and the assistant coaches. And we don't have any full-time assistant coaches at St. Thomas, which is, which is kind of an anomaly these days. <laughs> and But I got I do need to recognize those guys, Mike Keating and Josh Rodenbiker and Wildeberg and Tim Jarmus. I mean, they're they're tireless, and it certainly is a full-time thing in the, during the season. But um, what they do is incredible. And so, yeah, our record, I think, is, is something we're proud of, but it, it reflects really a lot of unselfishness and hard work by the players and coaches and um you know you you're you're humbled and proud to be a part of it did especially you, at a university like st thomas
0: did you expect to be a top 10 team this season or even at this point in said season
7: i don't i don't think we ever think about those kind of things i remember we scrimmaged two division two teams and and one of my assistant coaches we got our butts kicked by both of them <laughs> one of them he's kind of the eternal optimist and tim said we're going to be really good this year and i was like are you did you just watch the same scrimmage that i did um that's awesome so he's reminded me of that after every victory but i I mean you really don't like you the year is so long and games come fast and furious that you really don't pay attention to that you pay attention to really two things are we getting better you know as a program uh, on a day-to-day basis and then how can we help the student-athletes, you know, grow as people. And if you do those two things, I really believe that, you know, the wins and losses, you can't control bounces at the last second of a game, but you can control sort of overall what's the culture of your program. And I think uh, we've done a pretty good job of that.
0: Well, congratulations on what it has been so far this season. Really impressive. Uh, Congratulations on what has been for a career as well. Good luck the rest of the way. I know we'll be talking about the Tommies down the road. I know you and I will catch up. In the meantime, as you know, we always give the the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
7: Well, I'd like to thank all our players, especially our three seniors. Connor, Bears, having an unbelievable year. Michael Hannon came back for a fifth year, and G.T. Johnson is uh, our defensive stopper. They all play great roles, and so it's it's an honor to coach them. Uh, This week we've been doing the sneakers for coaches versus cancer, and and as you know, my significant other, five years, Chancy Anderson, has had uh, cancer. She got mm-hmm. diagnosed this summer, so that's been a uh, you know a bit of a roller coaster. But she's as tough and good a person as you could ever find. And so it's you know I think it's nice to have the coaches unite and and uh, pull together for a cause like that. And so I am just grateful for all the support that we received.
0: Well, wonderful. I uh, hope your uh, significant other is uh, doing well. In the meantime. You guys continue to push on. We'll uh, look forward to talking to you down the road. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Absolutely. John Tower joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to join us. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe I felt like everybody else. We knew you know, John Tower is a good coach and we know that they recruit well, but we figured after 14 and 12, they would reemerge in the conversation. Certainly, there were going to be a battle. Tested team who's going to make the Mayak interesting and the Mayak's fascinating. By the way, he didn't have time. We can ask him on another time about scheduling. But I didn't expect them to, to, after that Brooklyn game, to rattle off 16 straight and essentially be undefeated since and, and jump into the top 10. Really impressive, and and it does. It makes that Mayak really crazy. Um, and some people are already starting to look at the fact that that Central and West areas are loaded with teams. Bracketing is going to be a challenge. So back to that $12.5 million a year, I'd love to have seen Division Three leverage for. Maybe not all of it, but it could have made a difference. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll jump to the East Coast, stay with the men's basketball theme, and talk to Oswego, who kind of has the same story but a little bit different. We'll go to the Great Lake and talk to Jason Leon about his team and what he expects from the Lakers you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this.
5: Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference.
1: Division three has helped me to develop... Teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills.
5: It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school, it's about developing yourself as a person altogether.
0: Welcome to the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire, home of Blue Gold Athletics. UW Eau Claire has been ranked a top five regional public university for over 20 years. We graduate champions with the lowest debt and highest return on investment in the Midwest. Blue Gold Athletics is a Directors' Cup top 20 Division III program offering 22 sports with almost 700 student athletes. UW-Eclair is about excellence in the classroom, the field of competition, and the community. Are you the next Blue Gold?
6: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
1: I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind, attain only through self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be.
5: Character is what you are.
6: It's on us to stop sexual assault.
1: In any way that we can.
5: To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here on from the WBCA and ABC Studios. If you've got questions for us, we got the – well, we usually have it. There we go. And you got our stuff scrolling at the bottom of your screen. You can find out how to interact with us. Uh, tweet us, email us, Facebook us, whatever the case may be. I will go and check to see if any of you have left us some messages of late as uh, I got a little distracted talking to uh, Coach Tower there and not looking over to see if any of you had asked us questions. Looks like it's quiet so far on the Western Front. All right, so switching gears to another program that certainly caught our attention. Uh, in Well, listen, they've been on my radar for a little while. I can't think about the East Region without thinking of our friends at Oswego. But at the same time, just when I started to get on the bandwagon a little bit and thought about going for it, they had a rough Christmas holiday uh, break, they should say, at Emory where they dropped not only a game to Emory but then lost a game to Denison. Come back, won five straight, but the big one was against Plattsburgh, and now people are starting to talk about Oswego again. They're not in the top 25. don't know if that means as much as it probably could, but it certainly gets them talking about or gets us talking about them and that means it gets us talking about them on this show because as you know, we talk about the East region here on Thursday evenings so joining us on the Blue frame technology Hoopsville Hotline. it's the head coach of the Lakers. it's Jason Leon coach. welcome back to the program sir
8: introduction there dave i appreciate you having me on it gets me thinking it's been seven years since we've had you up here to see a game and uh it hasn't hasn't snowed once since you (laughs) since you've been here so now you're lying you got no excuse now
0: (laughs) i love snow so you got the wrong one i i don't mind coming up in the snow um i just can't believe it's been seven years makes me feel really damn old um Hey 14 and 2 9 and 0 in conference play. There's a lot we can unpack here. Let's start with this. You coming off of a 14 and 13 season. I feel like I literally could take all the questions I just asked John Tower at St. Thomas and just insert them here. Did you expect to be here at this point in the season? Um, you
8: know, I I thought we had a chance to be be pretty good. I mean, we 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 lost over the course of 2 years. Ten really influential seniors. Uh, went to the NCAA three years in a row, and last year we, by our standards, uh, we had a substandard year. You know, um, although our, you know, we did make it to our conference seven semifinals uh, for the seventh consecutive year, which you know, that's nobody else in our league had done that. And um, we really played well down the stretch last year. The seven guys we had returning. And our roster didn't look like you know we should be where we are right now at that point, but uh, we were fortunate. We had uh, a combination of a really good recruiting class. We are starting three Division two transfers, uh, the three, four, and five for us. Uh, so we were fortunate in that regard. Uh, some recruiting, and um, but you know any coach would tell you the the mechanism to be successful really is first dependent on your returning players and the improvement that they have and the amount of time they put in um, during the, the, the training period that starts after your previous season ends. And uh, the seven guys we had returning this year, uh, I don't know if we had a better offseason than what we had this year. Um, and a big part of our success is the combination of uh, those guys getting a lot better and then uh, the, the incoming guys um, that have inserted themselves into our, our program in, in a positive manner as well.
0: It certainly has been an impressive turnaround from fourteen and twelve to the fact that you're already at fourteen and two, um, or fourteen and thirteen. You're already at fourteen and two. This is this is obviously an improvement. Yeah, the semifinals maybe was a little bit of a hint, but you also now have a win over Plattsburgh. Granted, at home, you're going to have the return trip coming up in early February. You guys are now in the driver's seat of the Suniac to some degree. I think a lot of people thought this was Plattsburgh's conference and everybody else was playing for second place. And you guys, Cortland and Brockport have once again said, or, or put everyone on notice, you sleep on the Suniac, and we remind you where you made a mistake.
8: Yeah. Well, you've said it before on your show too, Dave, uh, our league, um, you know, it's a topsy-turvy league uh, year in, year out. It's a unique league because we all cost the same amount of money and academic standards here and there are somewhat similar and um when you have that um you're going to have a parity um and uh you know, i wouldn't say that it's not plattsburgh's league you know we we've had a pretty fortuitous schedule uh thus far not to take anything away from our guys uh but we have played uh all the top teams except for courtland at home thus far so you look at our schedule down the stretch we as you mentioned we've got to go and play some teams on the road here and um yeah, but we're, we're only halfway through this deal, you know, so our, our, our players would tell you. We've, we've got – I think I've been most proud of is we've been very grounded through this whole thing, and, um, you know, I, I think that uh, we still have a majority of guys that have been through this before and were on our team two years ago that won our league, uh, went to the NCAA. So uh, I think we're in a pretty good spot in terms of staying grounded and understanding, look, it, we, we are uh, – we're, we're, we got a lot of work still left to do.
0: Yeah. Well, sure. We're, we're not quite near the end of the season. Uh, there's still a grind ahead and especially in the Suniac, though, you've got two games at home here. You're enjoying at least a stretch here back to back weekends at home. Um, you will have only two more home games after that or after this, uh, you will have one, two, three, four, five more road games. The second part of this is not going to be quote unquote as easy.
8: Correct. So we, uh, You know, look. We it's it's you know at some level you're gonna play nine at home nine on the road. So um, I try not to analyze it too much. As of like you know we try to break it down into segments, but um, at the end of the day I feel really good about our group. Um, The numbers that we have put up thus far this year translate into um, having a successful season. We've been very productive defensively. We've um, most of the time, taking care of the ball, um, we have really good three-point shooting, and we have uh, two guys at the four and five that command double teams uh, inside. And we have uh, a- a- an incredible point guard. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we have balance. You know, we have five guys averaging double figures. So, uh, you know, I think all of those four or five reasons that I just mentioned say, you know, I think I think we're in this thing um, till the end. Um, but you know, we're also not resting on
0: our laurels at all as well. Sure. Uh, We should point out, um, your team is pretty efficient. You're 21st in the country in scoring defense at 64.5 points a game and 28th in the country in total turnovers on offense, which means you don't turn it over all that often. So you're shutting teams down defensively and being wise with the ball offensively. That's a dangerous mixture.
8: Yeah, so, you know, part of it, Points per game is a very misleading statistic because, uh, you know, part of it is our pace of play. We're not a team that uh, creates a ton of possessions during the game. We're a little bit different than a lot of the teams in the SUNYAC. Uh, If you look at, you know, any type of efficiency numbers that, and I I actually get on and follow uh, the the night slappy uh, efficiency stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate it is, but we're, we're, you know, towards the bottom of Division three in terms of possessions per game. So we have to play that way on offense in terms of taking care of the ball because we're not in, in, the, in the upper echelon in terms of running and pressing and doing all that stuff that, that promotes uh, extra possessions. So, uh, you know, it's really important that we take care of the ball and that we're, we're sound. We don't take a ton of chances defensively, but we are sound. We don't foul. We don't put teams on the foul line. Um, You know, we we are good rebounding-wise in terms of uh, we're a good offensive rebounding team. Uh, I think we're first in our conference in terms of letting up, uh, you know, the fewest number of offensive rebounds for Mm -hmm. our opponents. So, you know, we're creating a lot of, uh, you know, situations where we're getting more opportunities to score than our opponents, which obviously is a productive way uh, to to look at
0: winning. Sure. Um, Looking at what you guys have as a unit, uh, you've got – oh, I lost it. Where was it? There it is. Five guys in double figures, uh, led by Quinn Carey at 13 points a game. Uh, Brandon Gart, um, Gartland at 12, almost 13 points a game. Tyler Pierre at 11.5, along with Liam Sanborn and Joe Sullivan at, at 11 points a game. That makes it hard for defenses to figure out who, you're, who they're going to isolate on any given point in time. Uh, that said, too, though, does it, does it put more pressure on the bench when they need to sub in?
8: Yeah, that's been, you know, uh, part of the, the deal with our team that, that we're still um, really pushing for is we've, we've, we've got to, we're still in a, a part of the season where we're trying to still develop a little bit more consistency from our bench. But part of that is, you know, our, our, our starters are very difficult to take out of the game. We're, we're very physical across the board, uh, one through five. Part of our defensive identity, Dave, is we're able to do more switching than what we ever have done in the past because we have more guys that can guard multiple positions. Uh, and, you know, when we go to our bench, those are guys that, other than a couple guys that are upperclassmen, those are our freshmen. And, and it's a little harder to switch um, with our freshmen because their bodies aren't as developed yet. And, and uh, you know, teams, you know, rightfully so, try to exploit switching um, with going inside or on the offensive laps, it's a little hard to do that. So we almost kind of play a couple different ways when we go to our benches compared to, to with our starters. But uh, our starters are, I mean, we've got five guys. that are legitimate um, Division three players that can play for a lot of people. And it's hard to take those guys out of the game. But having said that, um, you know, we've had moments where our benches played very, very well. Um, but, uh, you know, that's certainly if you had to point to something that I want to see down the stretch here improve for us to have a chance to win our league that's definitely one of the things
0: you got a team that's shooting 45 percent 38 percent from beyond the arc i mean there's a lot of good things you see on paper you talk about the lack of depth on the bench maybe and and wanting to see that improve is there anything that we should know as fans that best understands how this team's working so well together yeah i think
8: I don't think it's anything that would be surprising to anyone. We've got we've got really strong play at the point guard position. Our our sophomore point guard Liam Sanborn, um, You know, one of the you know things about going fourteen and thirteen that was a really positive thing for us is Liam got to play and start every game as a freshman and cut his teeth mm-hmm. uh, in a very physical and tough league. And um, him doing that last year, I thought was a very productive. Um, thing for him going into this year. He knew what to expect. He knew the things that he had to improve upon during this offseason. And, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of with Liam is sometimes that we use the term sophomore, slump in sports, sometimes, you know, you think there's this natural maturation from, okay, I I averaged eight or nine points a game, I started every game, and just naturally I'm going to be this much better statistically the next year. And, you know, what sometimes uh, players, in particular college players, don't understand is like, now you're moving up the food chain in terms of now you have teams that are game planning against you or sometimes it's a freshman as a fourth or fifth option or not. And Liam really attacked his off season uh, incredibly well and um, are really proud of him. He's a very, very grounded individual and he's from Staten Island. He's a tough nut. Like they'll, they'll, get, in a rock, they'll get in a rock fight with no problem and, and come out swinging, you know, so he's he's really good. But not to discredit all the other guys that we had that, that returned this year that, that did really well, our, our captains, uh, Tim Marshall and Alan DeRudovic and Brandon Gartland, uh, along with Liam, uh, we've got a really solid uh, leadership base there and uh, real proud of those four guys. Uh, we've really uh, come out swinging, so to speak, this year and, and have played with with a chip on our shoulder. And that's that's uh, that's that's really a, a proud moment for our coach to see their team doing.
0: Quickly, before we let you go, quickly about the the, the conference again. You guys have the lead at 9-0 and in the conference. You've got a two-and-a-half game lead on Brockport, a three-game lead on Plattsburgh and Cortland with Potsdam just lurking about four games back. How do you see the rest of this conference kind of breaking out from here? Is Plattsburgh still the most feared team, or have their w- wings been clipped a little bit here now, and, and, and teams like Brockport and Cortland and yourselves are really the ones everyone should be watching? Well,
8: Plattsburgh has the has the best player in the conference. John yeah. patron is a returning first-team All-American. So All I right. would say until they get beat, um, you know, when it really matters, they're they're the team that I would I, – I don't want to speak for the other coaches, but they're the team that – you know, when you get in postseason, Dave, the game gets played differently, which you know. You've been covering this for a long time. You covered us when we had the kids, Sortino, you know, and where we got to the Sweet 16. The game changes in postseason. The game slows up. It becomes more of a half-court game uh coaches subless and that really benefits the team with the with the real dominant player, you know. So so for for my pace, you know, I would say, you know, Plattsburgh is, is certainly a fearful team. And you look at the games they lost. They lost on a last second shot to us, they lost yeah. on a last second shot to Cortland. They lost by one at Brockport. Right. All three road games. So, you know, I, I, I just I give them a lot of credit and, you know, I, I still think until they're beaten you know, in the playoffs, they're the team to beat. But, you know, I, I think there's some real dark horses this year. We just played Potsdam uh, two-point game two nights ago, and I'm very impressed with the job that Jim Bechtel's doing there. And uh, they have a, a, a continuity there uh, for the first time in a while. And, uh, you know, a group of kids that really plays tough and physical. And uh, they're, they're certainly a dark horse in the league. And then you have – up Rockport and Cortland and us who have the cachet of being there before and uh, winning it before. Um, but the league, as I always tell you when I come on the show, we've got to be one of the only leagues in the country that has had five different champions in the last nine years. Um, I, I wonder if there's even any other league that can say that. So, so it really is a topsy-turvy league that year in and year out uh, has a lot of good parity to it.
0: Well, it's certainly been fun to watch, uh, though head-scratching at the same time. Um, no question, <laughs> uh, especially from us from afar. And and again, I love snow, so I'll try and find my way back up there. Just happen to coincide with some hockey uh, at the same time last year or last time. It Was always it? does. It, it it's always true. Does it's true.
8: School. It always does. With our you got a heck but of an ice games, rink. We, we do. We do.
0: And some po- poutine. Not too bad either. No, no, not bad oh. at all. Especially, I, I love sitting uh, up high in the middle. Um, usually close to coaches' wives to to listen to their take on things gives me some good insight. I always enjoy that. Uh, How
8: bad did she talk about me? My wife said it. What'd you say? How bad did she talk about me? Oh no 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 no. That's that's
0: privileged information, sir. I'm I'm not allowed to divulge. Okay. Dive no, no, I appreciate that. It's like lawyer uh, client and doctor patient confidential. especially when they don't even know who I am. I'm just the one, some guy sitting near him.
8: <laughs> You're just taking everything as, as you always do.
0: I'm a sponge. I'm a sponge. Uh, always, I have- Jason, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. We'll let you go but we always give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
8: Uh, yeah, just uh, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, love being on the show. Love listening to this program and Every year, the website and everything you guys do just—you uh, know—it's—it's it's really fun to. To gather information, and uh, I'm one of the people that reads. That. Most coaches won't admit this, but I read a lot of the post-up stuff, and <laughs> the guys that post post-up on in our region.
0: And oh, you guys got some dandies. I, I get
8: a lot of, I get a lot. Yes, we do. But I get a lot of, I get a lot of information from that. Some good, some bad. But <laughs> uh, but it's but it's great. It's great, though. No, honestly, it's it's a lot of fun to have that type of enthusiasm about Division yeah. Three, and um, and I also would just say to our fans and our uh, people that follow our program that are listening tonight, like. Whatever you can do, please keep coming and seeing us play and follow us down the stretch. Here we got some really important games. We haven't started classes yet, by the way, so we, so we don't start till Monday. So this 35 days has been has uh, been a grind for us, and uh, you know, but we're getting started here on Monday, and it'll be nice to have some home games down the stretch. And I encourage our fans and people to follow the program, keep uh, doing what you've been doing, and following us and. Uh, you know, I think we got a chance to have a special, special year here down the stretch.
0: Well, well said. Head over to Tim Hortons, get a cup of coffee for me. The head to the bar across from the hotel, get a beer for me. Enjoy. Imagine I'm there, and I'll try and get up there sometime in the future. All right, buddy, I'm going to hold you to it. Absolutely, you should. Take care. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Jason Leon joining us from Oswego again. They are uh, 14 and two overall. Those two blemishes, Emery and Dennison. We didn't really dive into them, but I kind of know what Jason would have told us. Nine and zero in conference play. Again, home against Fredonia and Buffalo State. And Then they only have two home games of the remaining seven um, to play. They'll play Cortland and Oneonta at home. Otherwise, they're going to have to deal with New Paltz, Potsdam, Plattsburgh, Brockport, and Geneseo, all on the road in the conference. Um, if you're a fan of the show and you tuned into this often, you're going to catch this next, or you're going to hear this next bit of information and not be all that too surprised. Our system has frozen again. We're going to have to shut it down and get it restarted for the stream, which means a second stream. If you're watching us on our show page on d3hoops.com, we will just replace the window there, and you just hit refresh. You'll see the new uh, video player. Go ahead and click play once it's there, because once it's there, we're up and running. Um, If uh, you're on Facebook, we'll come back. If you're on Periscope, we'll come back. Just trust us. We apologize for it. We are working with a company. Oh, we're back on the air. Sorry about that, folks. I hope you uh, are still joining us somewhere along the lines. As we are back up, we will tweet the fact we're back up here momentarily. If you got questions for us, tweet us at d3hoopsville hashtag hoopsville, email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com, join us on Facebook facebook.com/hoopsville. Uh, we continue to try and figure out these uh, challenges, and we are hoping very much to have these challenges solved for us in the future. Um, all right, so now it's time for our WBCA Center Court segment. Uh, got this note about this said coach saying, hey, probably one of the better coaches um, when it comes to diversity and, and other certain factors, and somebody who in the WBCA is, is pretty well uh, respected for what they do and how they work and all of that. It's something we certainly listen to. We, we appreciate those points of view. We want different points of view. And the WBCA says, hey, you should talk to this individual. Well, Well, we listen, don't we? um i'm actually trying to find my one little note on him but i can't seem to find it um one thing i do know is the thing that jumped out at me was not only pushes diversity and inclusion and all of that stuff for his program and and by default the school but it's it's seen by what we're told throughout the rest of the conference as well so making a bigger impact as it were again got our attention we wanted to talk about it see what uh, that all meant so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by Blue Frame Technologies, a head coach of Oberlin, it is Kerry Jenkins. And, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us.
6: Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, when, when some, I'm going to ask a really open-ended question here, because okay. I realize this can come from different vantage points. Right. When someone says that you preach diversity and that you are all about inclusion, what does that mean from your point of view
6: um from my point of view it means that while i'm recruiting i cast a wide net um i try to encapsulate what i see is the representation in the greater society at large um for me oberlin is a place that is abundant with diversity and as a coach i feel like the best way to be successful is if you run uh, swimming along the same stream as your college. And so for me, in order for us to be successful, um, I just sort of adopted this mentality of uh, bringing diverse, eclectic groups of people together to find sort of uh, commonality in our humanity. And it's worked out well for me.
0: That's a fascinating vantage point. Um, again, because you, you can take the words diversity, inclusion, whatever you want, and, and go in a 100 different directions with it. Right. Um, so I find that you, I don't think coaches ever don't go out there with the idea of, being diverse and not caring right. what a person is, if they're talented enough or interested enough or fit their school, whatever the case may be. But right. you seem to go out with a, from what you're saying, almost with a different point of view. I, I know I'm going to find talent. I just want to find different kinds of talent. And I'm not talking about the talent of their player. Talk talking about the talent of the person.
6: Absolutely. It's purposeful. I mean, it brings us together. We have such a unique, um, intelligent, resourceful, um, creative a bunch of young women, and I think that it just it it it's a great environment for me to work in. Um, I, I love sitting down and having conversations with them about their backgrounds, uh, where they're from, um, what they were going to do with them with their lives, like the things that they're interested in. And it's basketball too, but it, it's so much bigger than that, as well. And I think the most unique part about it is really at times bringing together. 13 to 15 people who, if they had attended other colleges, might not have had the same levels of interaction with one another, mm. but, are, but are forming lifelong friendships. Uh, my players, they travel all over the country to visit one another. They sit down and they have these tough conversations about perspective with one another. And it's done in such a respectful way that it creates a bond on our team. But I think it's pretty evident when you watch us play.
0: When, okay, so when you have that diversity, though, you can sometimes not necessarily have all of those ingredients come together and mix well. Right. Um. You, you can also have that not happen, period. It's not right. necessarily a right. diversity question. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, but how do you balance that or how do you deliver the message of this is our bigger goal? It's not all about W's and L's. It's about other things and and growing you as a person through this experience. How do you sell if you need to sell, or how do you promote that to those recruits?
6: Well, all of the things that make us unique, all the things that make us individual, all the things that compromise who we are and which uh, define our identity, we have conversations about those things, and we talk about those things, and we get a chance to understand each other at a very personal level. And that becomes the identity of the basketball program, Mm. But once we step onto that court, we're just basketball players. And at that point, now we're all trying to achieve the same objective, and we all have the same goal at that point, point. Um, and we all are moving in the same direction. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, it is a very deliberate um, act on my part, and it is something that requires time and effort and energy to get everybody on the same page. But when, we're, when our chemistry comes together, it's just such a beautiful thing just to see all of those different faces and all those different perspectives out there fighting for one another and, and, and being best friends and being teammates. It really is a joy to work with, and, and, I, and I definitely look forward to coming to work every day.
0: In, in part of this, it's also creating safe space. Um, yeah. It's one of the things they, they, they said, an open and safe environment for players that is increased competitiveness in the conference. I'll get to the conference part in a okay. minute. But Okay, so you've got diversity, but how do you then at the same time balance that with the open and safe environment, and what challenges have you faced with that?
6: I'll be honest with you. There haven't been very many. Good. Um, the, the, the players have been very receptive, and we have a rule um, on our team that starts early in the season, and we do this thing called five-minute conversations, and hmm. each, player, each player has to come to my office for five minutes once a week, sit down, and have a conversation with me. And inevitably, that five minutes grows into like an hour. Uh, It's it's grown. It's grown into two hours. I've sat on the. We have that problem here. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know, and safe space has uh, been utilized with a negative connotation at times. Sure. Um, But I think that ultimately, the way that we define it is a place that you could come in and sometimes have a difficult conversation and not feel condemned or not feel ridiculed, but come in with the open mind to understanding another person's perspective. Uh, as we say it on our team, I don't need to understand it. I just have to accept it. Sure. And, you know, when we do that, then we create this environment where everybody feels comfortable and everybody feels like they can be themselves.
0: Um, so the, the part that I got from, from some, of, some of what we got is, is fed back to us was it also feeds out into the conference and has right. made competitiveness in the conference. So what I'm fascinated by on that trick is how has that happened? Is it osmosis where coaches see what you're doing, going, well, that's not a bad plan, or is it a, a actual, hey, here's what we're doing, you should do it too? I mean, it, it,
6: some of it has been deliberate conversations, but I think osmosis is a good way to do it. You know how coaches <laughs> are. like Sure. If, something, if something's working, um, we all copy it, and if you've been if you've been watching our program the last yeah. five or six years, we we've clearly elevated the stature of the program, and I think in in some respects, then coaches see that, and then they want to emulate that same tactic, and it's worked out well for us. And I think some of it is I'm I'm very cordial. Um, <laughs> our 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 league is is very friendly, and mm-hmm. coaches help each other out, and we have a lot of conversations. So I've had several conversations with coaching members, and we've talked about some of these things back and forth. But I think ultimately people just start to follow you where you go to recruit. You know, Does that make sense? Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, I mean, if we're, sure. if we're doing well, I know I've seen some of my colleagues at events that were traditionally I would be the only NCAA school <laughs> there. And now in the last two or three years, I've seen a lot of my colleagues there at some of those games. And, hey, I think it's great for the sport, and I'm all for it. And oh, come I, on, I don't Coach. Any, I, don't, I don't harbor any resentment at all. Oh, so. come on.
0: <laughs> Secretly you're like, listen, I said be diverse, but go find another gym.
6: <laughs> Dave, I will tell you something, and I mean this honestly. I actually had a colleague, and this is might be insane on my part. She asked me about recruiting, and I told her every single thing uh, that we do. And I'm glad to help because it helps out students for opportunities, too. It's not I, just about my team.
0: I was about to say, listen, if it means better opportunities, more diversity, better conversations, whatever yeah. the case may be, go for it and do what you got to do. Absolutely. Uh, to some extent, you're you're it's yeah that's a rabbit hole i'm not going to dive into but yeah bravo absolutely bravo i'm curious what the larger picture has developed how how have these students you've had and we should point out you've been there i've lost track
5: 11 11 Uh, thank you
0: 11 years how has how the students who you've had over the years have you seen them manifest this in their own ways have have they said something to you have they done something in their lives where you see this has not just been a cool experience for them for four or five years it's really a a bigger picture
6: well i'll say there are two things the first one really is uh we don't really we don't have any players from the state of ohio on our team our our team comes from all over the country fascinating and so the one the one characteristic that i definitely have noticed is that once a uh, player has made the uh, commitment to leave their home and go far away and come play for our team that that uh, trip, you know, never really ends. Like the next thing I know, mm-hmm. they go from here. They go from here to Europe. They go mm-hmm. from here to South Africa. They sure. go to here to Barbados. They, they, the world becomes very, very open to them. The other characteristic that I see is this light, these lifelong friendship connections that are centered around a sort of multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-perspective approach. Where you just see these diverse group of friends. Like this carries off the basketball court too. When I see them walking around campus. I just see a very, like, wide variety of interests, uh, of interactions, of perspectives, the things that they do. They're not afraid uh, to go and interact with people who aren't, alike the, who aren't exactly like them. And I think it's just it, – it, 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 it can be a subtle influence, but at the same time, I think that that's sort of the purpose of it. In the end, we're just all human beings, and we're just trying to do the best we can in this world and fit in the best way that we can. Sure. And I think that ultimately sending people out into the world with, like, an open mind and receptive of other perspectives is sort of my bigger purpose.
0: What's the feedback you've gotten, whether on campus, off campus, other coaches, opponents? Do you get direct feedback about what you've been doing and, and, for lack of a better description, the mission that you've undertaken with this? Or has it only been something, again, that you've seen and realized, oh, okay.
6: I think last year it uh, really exploded on me. Oh, okay. um, I, think it, I think it was something subtle that we were doing, and people maybe were, were copying it to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we won the conference championship and made the NCAA tournament, uh, that really, I think, uh, altered a lot of perspectives and approaches and really garnered a lot of attention. One of our players uh, wrote an article for the Student 8 newspaper about our team and our approach to diversity, and Mm. and it, it had some really big influences. I've had colleagues call me. About the article, and said that they read it and they loved it. the The, the, the feedback has been tremendous. I, I would say it's been concentrated to the last year or so, sure. um, but it but it really has taken off in the last year or so.
0: That's impressive. Um, yeah, twenty one and eight last season, thirteen and three in the conference. You guys are still in the mix this year, eleven and seven. You're just two games. I'm sorry, not two games. I can't do math. Two and a half games <laughs> back of DePaul, who took a, right. long, hit, a hit the other night. You've you had a pretty good New Year. Um, if you did, if you go back to the Ohio Wrestling Game, you guys have only had one loss in the last seven. After having a little bit of a rough patch in December, right? How, how do you how do you see your team shaking out this year?
6: Oh, we're coming together. We're coming together. We were, we replaced a pretty, two pretty big influential starters yeah. from last year. Um, we had the injury bug pretty bad at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. Some of our some of our players are just returning. Um, but we're sticking together, and, and they're playing hard, and they're figuring it out. And, again, I think our best basketball is in front of us right now. I think uh, if we keep playing the way that we're playing, we're going to be in the mix. Like I feel confident. Um, it, I, I told them at the beginning of the year that last year was a once-in-a-generation magical season. Um, but it, it, all paths don't have to be the same. and We don't have to get there the same way last year's team got there. And I, my my players are engaged in the fight. They're engaged in the struggle. They're working hard. We're getting better every day. Um, and I think in the end, uh, we're going to be right back there competing, uh, trying to do it again.
0: Is this diversity uh, thing something that, that you've been called on to, to talk about at conventions like the WBCA convention or elsewhere? Is this something that um, people want to hear more about, or is it something that doesn't need to have that? Does that you know what I'm saying? Did...
6: Right, right. I, 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 both in both fronts, I agree with okay. both fronts. I, I think in some respects, it would be it's good to talk about it. I know I've done some things on campus. Um, like I said this is just starting more to uh, blossom on me in the last year but at the same time I think that it's just about being open-minded and creating environments where this is possible and where and, and where this can occur. And I think that we can have both conversations. I think this would be great. And I'd love to talk to other coaches about it. I'd love to have conversations about this, about how you can implement this and uh, to your own uh, success. But at the same time, it's about creating opportunities for student athletes. And I think that if you go into these situations and you have this mindset, that it can be really beneficial for our sport, which is a diverse, eclectic sport. Um, and I think it'd be the best. I think it's also good for women's basketball as well.
0: It may not have an answer to it, but I'm just kind of curious. What's the most. Maybe diverse is the wrong word, but the most um, uh, outside the box type of person that you've had, um, you know, whether it be location, religion, background, what's the one that's maybe stood out to you?
6: Oh, I got an easy one. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I got an easy one. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Probably about six years ago, I recruited a young woman who was uh, biracial of. Japanese
2: and American
6: descent. Okay. And she lived on a Native, of a Native American reservation in Page, Arizona.
0: Wait, so she was J- Japanese and American and lived on a reservation they, in Arizona? Yes. Yeah, it got me on that one. Wow. Yeah,
6: I knew I would. <laughs> I know
0: what I, I told you. That was easy. I,
6: wow. Her parents were teachers.
0: Okay. Okay, that answers the question of what in the world yeah. were they doing on the reservation?
6: Yeah. Um, they were teachers.
0: Interesting. Yeah, wow, that is cool. I like that one. By the way, I yeah. see one, um Allie Driscoll around the neck, around the, try that one again. She's around our neck of the woods here on yeah. the Hoopsville Studios down there in Ellicott City. It's Ellicott, yeah. by the way. How many people say Ellicott around her?
6: All of them, including myself.
0: Okay, it's Ellicott. It's Ellicott. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got it now. Yeah, hopefully she wasn't affected by the floods we had this year um but that's kind of cool i just wanted to point we 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 recognize one of those so yeah i mean you look at your roster california illinois maryland california uh, i mentioned that already new york virginia georgia michigan new jersey massachusetts is there pressure to put someone from ohio on your squad cuz let's be fair you're you're not being that diverse if there's nobody from ohio <laughs> Well I had
6: one I had one I, I had one 2 years ago and I've had four since I've been at Overland. So it has it's it's not a like a it's not a willful neglect kind of thing. Uh you know I know there's just there's just a lot there's a lot of competition in Ohio sure. I mean, there's a lot of oh, there's a lot of opportunities. So Yeah,
0: yeah no. I I obviously kid. Um, I know, I know. Before we let you go, as part of the WBCA Center Court segment, we always do a, a question type thing. Uh, where we always ask the same questions of all our, our WBCA Center Courts guests. That way we hear all the different answers to said questions. Okay. Uh, if you don't mind. They, they, you don't sure. have to overthink them. They can be short, long, whatever the case may be. But, um, yeah, just a little fun for us. Okay. Great. First one is, what's your favorite thing about coaching, especially in Division III?
6: Uh, raising the, and help teaching the uh, future leaders of tomorrow.
0: Ah, nice answer. What's your biggest pet peeve?
6: My biggest pet peeve? Um, Inconsistency, Okay. inconsistency. I get, I get on, I get on my players about that sometimes, but they're generally pretty good about that. Like you gotta, you gotta show up every day.
0: Yep, I can understand that. Um, what is your favorite rule or nuance to the game? I love, I well, got two. I
6: love the four quarters, and okay. I and I love the advance in the
0: ball. Ah, you lost me. Yeah, I
6: love those two. <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell you why because we we have hit because you've used in the, it. In the, yeah, we've hit two buzzer beaters. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> then I totally get why you love it. Offensively, yeah. I don't mind it. I understand it. Defensively, I think I just hate it. Yeah. Um, what rule would you want to see added, removed, or
6: changed? I would love for the women to go to the men's ball. Really? Just, yeah, one one uniform game.
0: That one I've never – well, I won't say I've never heard, but I haven't heard in a long time – I've always found that the the women's hands traditionally, on average, are smaller. But you don't think it you don't think that would be a hindrance?
6: No, I don't think so at all. I think I think I think we I think overthought people it. People have used that. Yeah, people have overthought it. I think it would be a great youth. I think it would be a great youth basketball. Um, you know, I've had some experiences where we traveled abroad with yeah. some Division One teams I was with, and we we lit we lit the score up. I mean, they shot unbelievably well. Wow. So to me, from that point, it never, it never seemed necessary for us to have two different basketball teams.
0: I will say, when I have practiced with women's teams and used the women's ball first, it took some adjustment because I've got yeah. pretty sizable hands. But then when I went to the men's game, I absolutely was a better ball handler. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that can be yeah. same deal in soccer. You practice with a smaller ball, you play with a bigger ball. Um, right. Interesting. I love that one. Great answer. Um, any pregame ritual or superstition? I take a shower. You take a shower. Well
6: Yeah, before every, yeah, before every game. Yeah. Like yeah, literally a, before the game? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well yeah, I'll go, I'll do my pre game speech, you huh. know, the twenty minute mark teams go out there and warm up. Yeah. And then and then I'll go take a shower.
0: Wow. Okay. I like that one. That one's going yeah. on the list. Uh but, craziest travel experience.
6: Oh, yeah, I I barely this is a sort of a funny one. Um we went to Colorado last year and just through a just a series of inconveniences. Uh, I, I like I just got stuck in the wrong line, and oh, no. the lines the lines were long, and the flight uh, the flight was getting ready to take off, and it just it somehow got delayed. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm sprinting through the airport, uh, ducking and dodging. I mean, and that's not that's not something that's really sort of like uh, encouraged. <laughs> no, no, it looks bad. And, and yeah, so I, I literally made the flight as they were boarding. <laughs> And I get on the plane. I'm sweating profusely because I just ran through Denver Airport trying to make my
0: flight. Oh man, that's a big airport too. Jeez. Yes, it is. Yes, uh, it is. that's not fun. Um, how would your assistants describe you as a coach?
6: Uh, I think they would describe me as sort of thorough. Um, I think they would describe me as uh, analytical. Um, you know, I would. I think they would describe me to those who don't know me as way funnier than people think that I am. Um, I sure to get ascribed a very serious personality, in, and I am in a lot of respects, but I am also, also have a great sense of humor. Okay.
0: Uh, what do you tell a recruit? This is interesting considering the conversation we've had. What do you tell a recruit that gets them excited or, or gets them to commit to Oberlin? The truth. Okay.
6: The truth. The truth. I mean, I, I don't hide anything. I don't pretend. I, I always dispel one myth because every recruit always asks, how do you play? And I think the one thing that endears me to them sometimes, I was like, I can guarantee you that every coach that you've asked that question told you that they like to get up and down, they like to run, they like mm-hmm. to shoot a lot of threes, they like to press. And I tell the recruit, not a single coach that I play against plays that way. Fascinating. And yeah, so that that little bit of honesty usually gets me
7: over a little bit.
0: Yeah, I can I could imagine. Finally, when you retire, and all good good coaches eventually will, what do you hope people remember you as a coach?
7: I think
6: they. I hope they remember my perseverance. I hope they remember um, my legacy at Overland. I hope they remember me as a good coach. Um, you know we struggled my first five years there, but I stuck with it yeah and we worked we worked really hard and we turned that into a a very good program in the region. Um, and I just hope that people just remember that and I do hope they remember that legacy of diversity and inclusion and tolerance and, and being open-minded and creating safe environments that nurture uh, student athletes and if I'm remembered that way, I'll, I'll feel good about my legacy.
0: That's a pretty good way to be remembered, to be honest with you. Um, coach, thanks for the time. Appreciate it very much. Congratulations on what you've done so far and the and the uh, message you, you you stand on, uh, for lack of a better description, uh, the leader that you have become. Appreciate the time you've taken. We'll, uh, we always give the coach a final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those tuning in?
6: No, no, Dave, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wonderful.
0: Take care of yourself. Okay. We'll talk to you take, soon. Thank you. Okay. Kerry Jenkins joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline as part of the WBCA Center Court. Certainly uh, apropos. Wonderful. Listen, we, we shouldn't have to say go and be diverse. Go and get the most diverse people you can find. Go. There shouldn't be any conversation to say go do that. But at the same time, and I, I think a lot of coaches are diverse anyway. I don't think – a lot of coaches I know are not out there looking for only one particular kind of person. That that. It's obviously frowned upon, but to go out and purposely look for diversity first and find a way to make that work with the program, that's just incredible, and uh, we we tip our hat. Uh, WBCA Center Court segments are always aired on Thursdays. If you got some ideas, you're welcome to send them our way. Uh, we've either done them, though I will admit we only got like one or two slots available for the rest of the year, but you're welcome to send them our way if you have them. We'll take another break. When we come back, we'll keep up with the women's team, head down to Virginia, talk to Southern Virginia women's basketball coach Uh, women's basketball coach. Easy for me to say, apparently. Uh, We'll talk to uh, Adam Wardenberg about his program. you listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville when we return.
6: I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance. It's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being. Not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly is all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being.
7: UW-Eau Claire and Mayo Clinic Health System are creating amazing opportunities for students from across the Midwest. Our collaborative research agreement allows students to work with world-renowned physicians and scientists, and with more than 80 majors, UW-Eau Claire is the perfect fit for those who dream big and are ready to change the world.
4: I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
2: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
0: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's
5: what you've earned here tonight. This
3: is your time. Now go out there and take it.
5: College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. Hope you're enjoying the program, as we always hope. You can always interact with us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on your Twitter You can also find us simulcasting the show there on Periscope. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Where Oh, we're also simulcasting the show, and you can interact with us there as well. And you can find us, uh, obviously, online, but email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. So, let's see here. When we talk about women's basketball, we have a penance for sometimes missing teams that are flying a little under the radar. And there's a lot of reasons why they could be under the radar. But the reason we miss them is we're always looking at the top. The Thomas Moores, the Bowdens, the Amhersts of the world. We always see the top and then just below the top because that's where a lot of the competition is taking place and catching our attention. That's how teams fly under the radar if you haven't been paying attention in the mid-atlantic region outside of scranton gettysburg and maybe one other you might be missing what's going on in the cac this is a conference that's been dominated a lot by christopher newport of late but have you noticed that southern virginia is undefeated in conference play they are 16 and 1 overall Coming off wins against Salisbury, Christopher Newport, and Mary Washington in their last four games. They even have a win over York as they turn into the second half of conference play. Peaked our interest. They also may have one of the players nobody's talking about, and we should be talking about. So today, in a pre-recorded segment, we're joined on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline by their head coach, Adam Ordenberg. and Coach, thanks for taking the time.
1: Thank you, Dave. Feel honored to be here.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Um, again, a little bit under the radar. I checked with somebody yesterday about your team and, and about some talent on your team. They said, oh, yeah, good last year. And I sat there going, dang it. You know, that I should not hear from somebody good last year, and we're just getting around to talking about them. Granted, you're in your first year, and we'll talk more about that later, but were you all expecting this kind of season at 16-1, and 7-0 and in conference action?
1: You know, Dave, I, I was and a lot of people are surprised when I say that, but when I got here and started practice on October fifteenth, I was really excited about the lot a lot of the talent we had and and you know, obviously when you have players like Katie Garrish and Alexis Barnes, they make a lot of what I do look easy, but you know, it's it's a team thing and, and we feel like we're going pretty good right now.
0: We certainly are going pretty good and we mentioned some of the wins. You also have a win over Eastern Mennonite. Uh, in, in the ODAC. Me, Sorry?
1: So We beat them twice.
0: Yep, yep. And and you guys seemed, well, I was going to say, beat them by five, then beat them by two, and you've split up at home at yeah. home. Um, and, and obviously the conference action, though, is where everyone's caught the attention. The win over York, though, kind of retooling a little bit. The win over Salisbury, who's certainly been at the top of the conference for a number of years. But the win over Christopher Newport I know caught everybody's attention. It was at your place. Unfortunately, you're going to have to go to their place eventually, but what is... It-
1: You know, when you take over a program that has um, kind of been at the bottom for a couple of years, that's a hard thing to do. because Your players talk, and it doesn't matter how many new players you come in with, you know, players still talk with each other. <laughs> and so it was about the middle of the second quarter of the CNU game where we had immediate timeout and just said, hey, players, ladies, listen, they are not better than us, and you guys know it, and they finally realized like hey like we can play with this team and and uh they aren't better than us and we actually have some talent and we were fortunate to hold them to only five made baskets the rest of the game and and uh you know that was finally a turning point where they realized wow coach isn't crazy coach isn't (laughs) lying to us you know we can actually win games that we're supposed to and You know, it's kind of gone from there.
0: Was that a topic of conversation on the bus? Or you weren't at home. You were at home, so I apologize. But was that a topic of conversation in the locker room later?
1: Oh, it was. It was a conversation at halftime and at the end of the game, after the game ended with, ladies, you know, we can have a special season, but you got to continue to keep believing in what you're doing and what our team is doing.
0: Let's talk about the talent you've got. You're led by a sophomore that I think a lot of people aren't talking about, and Katie Garish. She leads the team at nearly 18 points a game, nearly 13 rebounds a game on top of that, plus two and a half steals. By the way, she also shoots about fifty-six percent from the floor. She's a really good talent that I know a lot of people are starting to turn their eye on. Give us a sense of what she does so well.
1: You know, a lot of what Katie does for our team really starts on the defensive end. And if you go last night at Mary Washington is a perfect example, she had nine steals and six blocks. Hmm. And any time the, the anchor of your defense can have those kind of stats, you can do a lot of things defensively. So that's really kind of where she sets us apart is, you know, it's, it's hard to score inside on us. I mean, let alone it's hard to just pass the ball inside when your center has nine steals. <laughs> but uh, when Katie's probably biggest asset that people don't realize is not just her first jump, but her ability to get off the floor a second time and get a second offensive rebound Hmm. that this kids just don't have that ability to do but she somehow does it and uh she's really good at just reading the ball coming off the rim but her her ability to finish and finish through contact is is really good and i think she's shooting as the center i think she's at 75 percent from the free throw line so it's not like when you foul her it's you know, I hope she these free throws go in. It's almost like when she misses, you're more shocked.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She's not. She's going to earn them some way, whether it's on the floor or on the line. Oh, yeah. Uh, 78% yep. actually from there. And we mentioned we, we skipped over 3.2 blocks per game. But there's also other players. Alexis Barnes is your senior, uh, double digits in scoring, Savannah Christensen and Brindy Ballum, Corey Stout. There's a lot of other weapons on this team so that Garish yep. isn't the only option. Oh, yeah. and
1: that's that's been one of my favorite things as we've gotten along in the years is you can't just take away one player and then beat us yeah i mean you can try and take away garish and good for you but then we have savannah christensen who can stretch the floor as our four and you have alexis Barnes who gets to the basket at will and brindy Ballum is a great driver as well and Corey stout our point guard who just controls the game so well and And we got a lot of different weapons, and I say it all the time. Our greatest strength as a team isn't just one player. It's the ability that anybody can step up at any time and contribute.
0: I'm curious, what does the team maybe not do so well that you guys are still fine-tuning at this point?
1: Um, You know, our biggest problem right now is our turnover, Dave. But that's something that I'm fine with because I really want them to play freely and know that they're not going to get in trouble for mistakes. I want them to to be creative and push the ball and and do things that they're not comfortable with and that just helps them realize that, you know, I can do things that I might not do all the time, but the coach wants me to get better and I feel like that's something that we're good with.
0: Yeah, averaging but, about 21 turnovers a game. Most coaches would hate yeah. that number.
1: <laughs> I you know, I'm not Super happy with it, but it's something that it's like, hey, it's working for us, and so you know you can't complain too much.
0: Talking with Adam Wardenberg here, head coach of Southern Virginia, who are off to a, a pretty stout start at seventeen and one, in, uh, sixteen and one overall, seven and zero in conference play. It's your first year. We'll get to how you got there, but your first year, how did you get introduced to the CAC, and how did you understand what you were going to go up against in the CAC?
1: That's a great question. I I didn't know what I was getting into in terms of talent in the conference until my first actual conference game, and I was able to kind of watch things on film. But as you know, uh, film can be deceiving sometimes, mm-hmm. and and uh, so our our first conference game was like, oh, okay, this this is what we're dealing with, and we got to step up a notch and. But, uh, you know, I talked about it a little earlier. You know, our biggest thing as a team is realizing that we can play with a lot of these teams, and, and we've got to keep believing in each other and believe that we can do
0: it. When you looked, you were also new to Division 3 let's be honest. Um, let's, yep. let's maybe back up and talk about how you got to Southern Virginia. If anyone looks at your background, you graduated from Utah State. Um, you, you were Director of Basketball Operations there for the women's program. I'll be blunt, how in the world, because you also have some other Western um, um, influences, as it were, uh, as well, how in the world did you end up all the way over in the eastern side of the country, uh, and how did you end up at Southern Virginia? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. It's a, um, a little bit of luck, um, a little <laughs> bit of just good searching, and and a little bit of uh, just connections that I have. Um, Funny story, I, I got a call from a friend on a Saturday night back in June, and she said to me, congratulations on getting the Southern Virginia job. And, Dave, I had I didn't even know that the job was open at the time. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, one of my friends has called me, and she talked to the AD, and the AD said that he was hiring you. And I was like, I don't even know, I like, I'm flattered, but thank you, but I don't know what you're talking about, but long story short, I didn't hear anything more. I didn't hear from the athletic director or anything. So a couple of days went by and I was like, ah, whatever, it's just some random phone call and you know how coaches talk. Oh yeah. And, uh, and then I think it was a Wednesday afternoon, the athletic director called me and he said, I'd love to meet up with you. I just, he happened to be in Utah at the time. And, uh, he met up with me in a hotel, uh, lobby. We talked for a couple hours. He said this was a great conversation. And I flew out to Virginia, um, that Sunday, uh, interviewed on campus on Monday, flew back Tuesday, and he offered me the job on Wednesday. And just kind of happened really quickly. And, and, uh, my wife and I just loved what we felt here and felt like, we were in a good spot to, to make this move and watched uh, our players on film and thought that we could do a lot of special things here with the group that we had. And we took the job. It's just something crazy.
0: How and did we he did know it. about you?
1: <laughs> you know, I, I still don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> oh, um, that's the question I should ask him. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. But he he told people he was hiring me before he even talked to me and wow or at least that's the story and I guess I'll uh, I won't believe otherwise because it nah. makes me feel good I guess
0: yeah why well, ruin a good story right uh, we don't yeah. need to find out yep. the truth no, we're good I, <laughs> exactly but the transitions too you've been in D1 and you've been in the JUCOs um, yep how do you know this is a different world not only is it Division 3 which we all know is is different than the recruiting world of scholarships and such but it's a small college Division 3 yep. kind of located in the middle of, of, of nowhere I mean it's not truly like that but it's it's also off the beaten path a little bit what's your transition been like and how have you learned kind of by fire
1: uh, that you know that is something that I have still struggling with is just coming from Division One where it's like nonstop go 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 mm-hmm. and when you're not coaching in a game you're you're at practice and when you're not at practice you feel like you're on the road recruiting and and uh, that is it's been a a crazy adjustment but my kids like it. I can tell you that right now, Dave. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, it's, it's definitely different. The hardest thing for me was getting to my office in the summer and at the beginning until October. And you just kind of sitting in your office and like, you're like, okay, well, I guess I can game plan, but I can't uh, work him out. So like, let's come up with all these crazy ideas. And my assistant and I are just like, what if we did this? What if we did that? And it was like, whoa, like let's calm down. Like, We haven't even had one practice yet. Already I've got 8,000 things I want to
0: put in. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I'm sure that first practice was fun. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, the first practice was fun. I think my, uh, my players were pleasantly surprised with, with it, but we, uh, no, it, it's been an adjustment for sure. And in recruiting wise, um, Southern Virginia is such a great place where we're able to kind of get a nationwide uh, sure. recruiting base. And if you look at our roster, you can see. I mean, we got players from like 12 or 13 different states. And yeah. we actually have one player who's from Japan, and mm-hmm. uh, and so
0: even it, one from Alaska. Uh,
1: Yeah, we got one from Alaska, one from Hawaii. Um, It's a unique place, but one that I'm grateful for because I can still use a lot of my Western ties and uh, a little bit of my new Eastern recruiting ties and just trying to get better and and trying to find um, players that are willing to come out here. And it really makes a great team atmosphere because when you have players from all over, they don't really have family that they can turn to and, and so forth. And so they've really become close and become more of a close-knit family and, and really um, trust each other. And I think that's helped us on the floor.
2: What's been the reaction of uh, the 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 coaches you're up against now in the CAC?
1: <laughs> Dave, I think you know the answer to that. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, they've been very receptive. and um, But I think – You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, when you go to a place that hasn't historically won very much and all of a sudden you have a two-game lead in conference, you know, I think that they're a little upset and kind of wondering, you know, well, how did Coach Adam do this? And like, (laughs) are you kidding? Like, what did they just like do stuff over the summer? It's like, no, I just showed up and they were good.
0: <laughs> so, hey, there's, that two game leads important. You guys could force everyone to have to come to your gym. That's not an easy yeah. haul for the rest of the CAC, except for maybe Christopher Newport. That's a significant advantage.
1: It is. It is a big advantage, and and one that as we talk as a team, uh, we're not looking for ahead at all. Um, mm-hmm. We uh, after we actually won our first two conference games, I had a couple of my players start talking to me about. Uh, when the tournament is, and things like that, and I was like, "Ladies, like listen it 's great that we 're two and zero, but we have we have bigger goals than this, and we can 't just sit here and be like, oh we 're in the tournament already, like we got to take this one game at a time, and we can 't focus on the tournament we got to focus right now on penn State Harrisburg
0: yeah well yeah, that's that's true uh, If you let it unravel, you won 't be at home." Um, yeah, yeah, Uh, there's
1: still a chance we can finish in fifth place and not have any home game.
0: True. Uh, And you've got York ahead at home, Christopher Newport, Salisbury on the road, Mary Washington at home, plus all the others. You've got still a lot to do between now and then coach. I I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. Uh, fascinating stories. Uh, we'd love to dive in sometime in the future, even further and unpack. Uh, but we'll let you go for now. Uh, as a tradition is on this show, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
1: Yeah. Uh, a lot of people want to know what I'm doing that's so special. And <laughs> the biggest thing for me is is not about me. It's it's our team. And they're the ones that have to put the ball in the basket. They're the ones that got to get defensive stops. And I love it because it makes me look good. But <laughs> uh, my players are, are – something else they truly believe in each other and they believe in themselves and for some crazy reason they believe in me and and we we have a goal and we really believe we can do it
0: well said coach congratulations um, on what you've gotten so far we uh, will look forward to watching how uh, the team does the rest of the way and good luck maybe having those games at home this season
1: thank you dave go knights
0: and Go Knights. Thank you, Adam. Adam Wardenburg uh, joining us here from Southern Virginia. Again, they've, they've got a good set of games ahead of them. This is not over. they got seven ahead still in this conference. It'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. It starts coming up on Saturday with a home game against Penn State Harrisburg. Next week, they've got on the road to Frostburg, which certainly isn't easy either, and then home against York, uh, and then it ratchets up. A little bit after that. We'll see how the Knights do the rest of the way. When we come back, we'll get a live update from Orlando on what's going on at the NCA convention. More importantly, that vote with the Board of Governors. I don't think my idea worked out, but we'll get an update from James Wagner, our good friend Wags from the CSAC. We'll talk to him coming up. You're listening to Hoopso presented by D3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. More hoops when we come back.
3: We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA.
0: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight.
5: That's what you've earned here tonight.
3: This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
6: It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now.
1: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
5: Big shots. Teamwork. This trophy is not given. It must be
3: earned. The 2019 NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Championship, March 15th and 16th at the Krager Center in Salem. Bounces
0: right back with a triple. Great job here. And that'll do
5: it! Visit NCAA.com slash tickets and get your tickets today.
3: I'm Karen Harvey, head basketball coach at Montclair State University and a member of the WBCA Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave at the WBCA Center Court.
0: Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the show. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. I'll admit, though, the email may be acting up. I just tested it because we usually get more emails. And I, I I hadn't seen any in a while. Nah, my test hasn't come through. So find, find those other ways. If we have to, we'll we'll fix the email for a future show. Um, so we've been talking a lot. Uh, we started the show talking about this. We talked a little bit about it on Sunday. The NCAA convention taking place right now. There's no legislation for basketball right now. We haven't had legislation for basketball in a few years. I think the last time was when they were investigating the idea of cutting uh, the seasons by about 10%. Basketball, ironically, was uh, excluded from that cutback, Um, but not a lot of things you would think would catch our attention. Well, we talked at the beginning of the show about the Board of Governors and the fact that the D1 basketball side of things and the problems that they've had have shook things up, and one of the ideas from the Rice Commission, Condoleezza Rice, was to add five board of governor members there's already a 20 member panel 16 of them are voting the other four like uh, the president mark emmer do not um division three's got two representatives division two has two representatives we can dive into the weeds here there's eight members from the division one football bowl subgroup there's four or five from the division one football championship subgroup. anyway the point being is they said add five more but they really shouldn't be institutional and I said, and granted we came to this idea a little late, D3 should maybe leverage this. Okay, we'll give you the votes to do that, but we need either membership, you know, representation I should say, or how about a bump to our percentage so we can operate proper championships. You keep bragging about how good Division three is, how it's about the student-athlete, and how Division one would like to model itself after D3. Well, how about you give us a little bit more money so we can model our championships like you do? Something to that extent. It didn't happen. 71% went with it, but apparently the conversation was a dandy. So joining us live from Orlando, Florida, which to honestly, folks, I'm impressed we got him on the line because there's more to do than sit in a hotel room and talk to us. But Mr. James (laughs) Wagner joins us from the CSAC, the assistant commissioner of the Colonial States Athletic Conference. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and chat with us.
5: Always a pleasure, Dave. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir.
0: So, listen, the one thing that I really wish the convention would do more often is stream these events, Mm -hmm. um, mainly so that we can hear the debates and conversations going on. I got a sense on Twitter that it was hard to say that there was certainly some debate. You kind of let me know there was more debate. What... Let's try to figure out where we should start. Let's start with the fact that this topic was maybe not as slam dunkish as maybe everybody thought it would be.
5: No, uh, to be honest with you, there's a lot of conversations among the Division Three institutions um, for our conference in general with our ADs, with our ADRs, and with our presidents of what we were going to do. Obviously, each school has its own vote, and the conference itself has its own vote. Um, and all the conferences were in the same boat talking with their ADs, you know, and that was the buzz at our commissioner meeting this morning was, how was your conference going to vote? How was your administrators are going to vote? Um, for those of you who don't know how this worked, uh, we had a association-wide, association-wide business session this, this afternoon at 5.45. I believe this is the first time they have done it since 2002. Uh, all three divisions were in the room, the voting delegates, basically the same thing that we're going to do on Saturday with our own stuff at Division III, but all three, but all three divisions were in there. Uh, the meeting was opened at 5:45. Bud Peterson, who is the, uh, the president of Georgia Tech, ran the meeting. Uh, he's the head of the board of directors, and of course, Mark Emmert was there on the dais as well as with some other members. And uh, when the meeting was opened, uh, there were some. There was a point of, you know, you could comment uh, to the group about the uh, legislation as it was moved and seconded and was on the floor. Um, I will say there was about 20 people who spoke. Uh, some were in favor, some were against. Uh, there were some Division Three people that said this is a Division One issue. This has nothing to do with Division III. Uh, there were some institutions, some presidents that said, we support this. Uh, gives it more oversight, more representation for Division III. Uh, I would say we debated for about 30 minutes and then we voted and then it came out um, percentage, you know, sitting there thinking that some of these speeches um, and I've seen it I saw it in Indy last year where there was a legislative, um, there was a proposal, I believe it was for football, I don't remember what exactly what it was, that we thought it was a slam dunk. And one person came up and spoke about how the uh, time management, uh, not much time management, but the hours are going to be devoted by, uh, you know, volunteer coaches, assistant coaches who have families and lives and stuff yeah. like that. And the vote, vote turned on a dime. And it was like, okay. Yeah, I remember so that one. We, yeah, we spoke, after people spoke, we voted. And it came out that it was majority was in favor. There was some talk way back in, in the earlier part of the the academic year um, that this could be used, as you said, as a levering tool to say division one because it had to be passed by all three divisions. Right. Right. Uh,
0: because it, we should point out, it has to be by all three divisions because it's a it's an overall governance yes, thing. It's it, not it a specific things. to yeah. D one thing.
5: Yeah, it changes the governance structure of the NCAA. We're now adding five more members, and who you know these five members they're they're, they're working on now. They're going to use an outside firm in conjunction with the board of directors to find five people who have no affiliation with any institution, uh, just members of the general public, uh, and there is. One gentleman, I believe it was the president from the University of of Minnesota, uh, said that, you know, non-for-profit institutions do this all the time. They have boards who have people from the outside that that help. Um, Schools do it, Wags. Schools do do it, yes. And after the discussion and after the vote was taken and the way that, you know, you're thinking, okay, this might be close. This might be 60-40 percentage. It might be 55-45. But when it was 7129 and it was overwhelming, you're like, okay. So that has moved forward. That has passed. It will be effective, uh, I believe, August 1st, 2019 or July 1st, 2019. It will go into effect. So the Board of Governors will have uh, 10 people, of the five more people that they'll have. Um, and there was, as I said earlier on in the year, there was talk of we using this as a leverage tool. As you know, the NCAA gives us 3.18%. of the television money to fund our championships. And as you pointed out earlier, there are some enhancements that have been coming down the line, and even the slightest bit of funding bump, if it goes to 4%, it goes to 5%, that aids in championship uh, experience. Um, I will tell you from the, um, when I was working on the volleyball championship this year in Pittsburgh, I was chosen as an alternate for the national committee. One of the things that they had talked about was community service and putting more hmm. teeth in community service now you're going to have to send a team out an extra day early where is that funding going to come from right. if you make that rule the travel staff then has to decide okay how much money do we have to ask for so that we can bring a team out an extra day you're talking about extra day hotels meals ground transportation absolutely so it it was kind of a little bit of, of shocking that the vote was that high but you know it was a great topic of conversation. There were some really great speeches, uh, you know, talking about how passionate they were about Division Three and how this wasn't a Division Three issue, wasn't a Division Two issue. Maybe we should use, you know, put the schools, make them responsible for what has gone on. And, and there are some schools that have done that. There are some schools that have not done that. Right. Um, but now that it's passed, and now we will see who these five members will be and who these five members that will come on the board. You know, we're always looking like, and, and you know, from some of our presidents have, have said, okay, how do we get our people on the board? How do we get people that we know that right. are good at this stuff, at the nomination process? So the incidentally, will start to go work on that. and It'll be a very transparent process. The president's council will give us the rest of the situation. And, you know, now when we move on to... Uh, our legislation on Saturday. Uh, we'll have our issues for them tomorrow, and then we'll vote Saturday morning. So it was a it was an interesting interesting meeting. It was right after uh, Dr. Emmert made his uh, state of college sports address, which I will get to in a minute because there are some two topics, a couple of topics that have been discussed here at the convention the last couple of days that are that are hot button issues. Mm. Um, and talked about uh, how the, the 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 NCAA now. Has this opportunity to kind of, um, you know, get into the forefront of some some social issues that are still going on. For those of you that know the history of the NCAA, you know the NCAA was founded almost a hundred over a hundred years ago because of deaths in college football in the early the early part of the twentieth century. Interesting so, and ironic. Yeah, pay, 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 player player safety player safety is a big part. You know, regulation and different things that we have done. The NCAA has been. You know, on the forefront of, of, of civil rights issues in the 60s and 70s with integration, obviously with Texas Western uh, winning the national championship of men's basketball. They talked about that today. Um, but there are some topics that are that are starting to come to the forefront um, that the NCAA is trying to get out in front of. And, and that was something that Dr. Ember talked about today. And that's been the buzz um, that has been around the convention the last couple of days.
0: Well, let's get we'll get to that in a moment. I want to go quickly back to, to the BOG thing. First, I find it ironic that someone says this isn't a Division Three issue. Yes, the problem isn't a Division Three one, and it's not a Division Two one. It's clearly a Division One problem. But the BOG no. is a Division Three issue. The yeah, BO. I don't yeah. understand why someone would go up there and say we shouldn't be involved in this. When I would, as a Division Three member, absolutely want to make sure I've got a foot in the door and a say in all of this, because it also makes Division Two and Division
5: Three. We're lumped into that NCAA word. Well, I, I should I should say it wasn't like the the, the, the division three, not the division three issue it was because of the division one scandal. That's what they were referring to. Okay. Division three men's basketball had nothing to do with what went on in division one men's basketball. Oh, sure. Yeah, and, and and there are some people out there like, look, if this gets division three, uh, another foot in the door in division two, and helps us get more funding and more resources, then it works.
0: But and but has that chance gone? Is the leverage point? now history because the as i saw it was you can use this right now and go listen d3 d2 we're not voting for this unless you make sure we have a voice of that group because those five members out outrank all of us because we've only got four right. combined and d3 i don't know what d2 wants but if we were to match d2's money we'd gain 12 and a half million dollars per year by last year's numbers that is a ton of money when you look at it because division just one gender spends 12 million dollars in championships that's all of those championships in division three to I gain 12 would... and a half million dollars would be a windfall in division three so i feel like great but now it's been voted for have, haven't have we yeah. lost
5: the leverage i i, I don't I, I can't say that for sure i mean they, there was talk among some people about using that as a leverage tool but you know, and there's also the, the the danger that, okay, you know, and we didn't vote by division. That was the thing. I thought we were voting by division. We voted well, all as one lump sum. I wanted to get sum.
0: that there too, yeah.
5: Yeah, we voted as one lump sum. So, you know, there was talk of that, and I will be interested to see. Now we have to sit back and wait to see who these five are going to be uh, and, and see if this in the next two or three years. Um, and again, it's all dependent upon. You know, there's talk of renegotiating the TV contract again, and yeah, because
0: the current contract doesn't expire to like 2025 or something.
5: But they wanna they wanna re-up it again to change the numbers again. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'll be interested to see what we get. I mean, there could be they 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 could decide. Okay, maybe the funding comes back and. They decided to bump us and so we could have more money for championships. I don't know. I mean, it was talk of using this as a leverage tool, but I just looked there was enough teeth there. I, I, I mean, some people were like, okay, let's pass it. It's going to pass anyway.
0: And well, that's the thing is, I think if Division Three thought this through, they would have known that, hey, we got 450 votes. Yes. We just have to talk to half a D2 and we've got them. Sw- well, to be honest with you, yes, D1 and D2 combined, but you just talk to half a D2 and we've got all control here i think that was a missed chance um let me ask you this um you talked about it being divisional votes i saw several times that everyone's like well first time in 11 years it's been an all division vote i was at the all, last all division vote it was for women's um beach volleyball yes. just a few years ago so that's a misnomer the other thing is i know why we voted for this on thursday wags the NCA wanted to make sure the media is talking about it on friday not voting yes. Saturday morning so they can't talk about it until Monday because they'll lose interest to talk about it on Monday. And as a result, you don't have a traditional convention where the divisions can talk about these issues as groups before yes. they vote. I, yes, we, I, I feel yeah. like this was shoehorned to some degree. Even though we all knew it was coming, you guys only had a certain amount of time as a group to be with each other to talk about it. Exactly. You didn't even have the issues for them to talk about. No, we haven't.
5: We haven't had the issue. We'll have the issue for them tomorrow morning. And, and, you know, this was a topic of conversation at our conference level, on all three levels of our conference. I'm sure every conference in America had the same kind of conversations. You know, and each school had its own vote. And we told our institutions, you vote however you want to. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, you're right. It was shoehorned in there. It, we had it at our business session on Thursday. We didn't have it. We didn't have it tomorrow afternoon when a lot of the conferences are meeting, um, and then Saturday is when we all vote and leave. We'll take the division one, the division ones are done, and then they, they voted. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting timing. But like I said, seventy-one twenty-nine, and it's gone through percentage wise. And now I'm just sitting back and trying to see um, what is going to become of this. But you know, there were some other topics that Dr. Emmer did talk yeah, about that have come to the those. forefront. I, that we'll, I'm we'll,
0: interested because I, the last one of the ones I remember him going to. Well, You had the awkward moment where he was talking to all three presidential council heads. D2 talked about how they had a windfall of money and were expanding their championships. They turned to the D3 president at the time. She goes, well, we're in a deficit. We're cutting back on our championships. And you could literally hear the D3s, which was about half the crowd, going, "Uh uh-huh. So those always come up with some interesting moments. Mark Emmert saluting the the student athlete in the sack was another one I remember. So there are always some interesting nuggets
5: that come out of that. I'm curious what he said today. So the two, the two main things that, that we have talked about today mostly is, number one, what is the future with sports gambling? There is probably in the next two years, 33 out of 50 states in this country will have legalized sports gambling. Yeah. Um, and how is this going to affect the student-athlete? And I had a conversation this afternoon with somebody. Um, somebody on the management council um, was talking with me and my boss about, okay, is it going to get to the point that a roommate of a student athlete is going to go out and place a bet on a game, mm. um, you know, going to place a bet on the game that their, their roommate is playing in? Um, is it going to get to that point? You know, you have sports gambling is starting to take off rapidly. Yeah. Uh, being in Pennsylvania, there's a new sports book opening up every two weeks um, and the revenue involved for the states of the giant windfall. Once they figure out how to tax this, it's gonna be it's gonna be a windfall for the states.
0: Well, we're um, catching up to the rest of the world to some degree, but at the same time, right. I mean, this is all new.
5: Yeah, and the and, and the thing is are gonna be any type of legislation coming from the federal level that protects student athletes. Are we gonna have bookies hanging around division three schools when division three schools start to get on the betting wire? Mm. Is that gonna happen? It may or may not. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's just it's taking off so fast and the NCAA is staying in the forefront of it and just saying what is going to be the future of the NCAA. Again, the old rule was if you sponsored any kind of legalized sports gambling in your state, you couldn't have an NCAA championship. Right. They bit New Jersey about a couple of years ago because they lost a bunch of championships. Right. Now do we get to the point, and there was a story somewhere, I forget where, that Las Vegas is clamoring for NCAA championships. You and I both know if they hold an NCAA, any kind of NCAA championship in the city of Las Vegas, it will be a sellout. People will go to these places. Oh, it'll be a slam dunk. A slam dunk.
0: You could put know. two opening weekend events in there at two different sites, and they would both sell out.
5: You have you have the new arena in downtown Las Vegas, yep. the T-Mobile Arena you, that holds 19,000. You could hold basketball games there, no problem. Perfect. I don't think – I don't know if we were talking – I was walking over with somebody. I don't know if the new football stadium is open air or not. I, don't, I, I think believe it is it's
0: closed air. air. I'll double-check while you're talking, air. though.
5: So are we going to get to a point in 2025, 2026 that the final fours in Las Vegas? 100,000 people. That's a giant windfall for that city. But then again, now you have people betting on the game and going to the game. So that's just the topic. There were a couple of topics about – a couple of panels today about that. The other one is the emerging esports. How is that going to figure in? I mean, five years ago there was one team. Now there's over 165 teams. You know, the students are already on your campus that play these games, the League of Legends, Fortnite, or whatever. And for the first time today, I heard uh, some not this, well, I'd say interesting comments about these games that they are, you know, they, they are um, violent. First-person shooter that they yeah you know, are true. this, they they are primarily played by men, uh, and you know diversity in those games. And, and, and again, my ten-year-old son plays Fortnite. I have no no idea what Fortnite is. And yeah,
2: my son plays, plays it
5: too. He plays it with his friends, and it's and it's you know my son has autism, and it's good for socializing with other students, and it's great. But you know, these schools are investing this money in these these, these computer labs and and computers, and you know playing games and. The NAI has signed off on it. High schools have signed off on it. The NCAA has not signed off on it yet. And one of the reasons why is these students get paid to play these games. They win prizes. How do you regulate that? Yeah, true. Um, I'm saying it is coming down the pike. I mean, there's there's conversations on our conference about esports. That some of our schools have it.
2: Some of them have. Is, yeah.
5: is the CSAC going to have esports in five years? Possibly. It, it, it could come down. The, the pipe there. I know the Big East has a league. I know um, some of the Big Ten, you know, they uh, they televised their championships, so it's, it's very interesting there. So, who knows?
0: Uh, by the way, to answer your question, it is a uh, closed, but it has the capability of opening up some windows uh, in Vegas. Okay. So, yeah. No, absolutely available for uh, the Final Four, to say the and least. And then the only
5: other thing that I heard of today was, and I, and I forget where the story was, is that there's been some talk about the NFL not covering um, teams as far as, you know, catastrophic insurance. Yeah, I read that insurance. today, too. Yeah, and that eventually is going to start trickling down to our level, and that's going to affect schools
0: well, and some, who, and, Yeah, some insurance companies are backing out from uh, um, insuring football.
5: Yes, and that's, that's a big thing that we worry about is, you know, if football being a violent sport, you know, are we going to run out of play people that are yeah. going to be football teams and, and what's the future of football?
0: A um, couple legislative things that you will vote on on Saturday at what should have been the regular vote. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I know there's football just in case any football fans are tuning in about changing their preseason. What's the, what's the toe in the water feel uh, if that's going to pass? Well, through? you
5: know, the only one school in our conference has football Keystone. Of course they don't play. They're, they're going JV next year. They're going varsity 2020, um, not really too sure what the we just kind of vote how Keystone wants to vote in that point, or we abstain. Um, you know, there's there's always something coming up with football every year. acclimation. yeah, it is. And and, and there's an element with soccer and field hockey. I think some. You know, and, and the thing about acclamization is that we talk about with our institutions. It's also a financial obligation. If you're going to bring your students in three days early, that's three more days you've got to feed them. That's three more days you got to house them. That's three more days you yep. have to bring staff in. So it the all these have a financial impact and it's not required. If the NCAA if the NCAA says you can bring your student athletes in three days early,
3: you don't have to. No, no. You can
5: bring them in. But then again, you're like, okay, well if school A's doing it and school right. B's not doing yeah. it, then school A's has an advantage. So It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, it, it all depends on what the school's financial position is. So
0: far, the NESCAC's the only one who's able to say no to their coaches. Uh, I'm thinking basketball, preseason practice. Yeah, soccer and field hockey have that up for debate, too. I've heard that may not pass. Yeah. Um, same reasons. Um, exactly. And yeah, then I social the media. You think
5: you, you think social media gets opened up a little bit for D3? I think so. I, I think so. I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time. Sure. I mean, it's just... It's just so hard to regulate. And I get these questions about, can I do this? Can I do that? And I have a chart that tells you what you can and cannot do. It just gets to a point where you can just change. You know, just open it up. you are probably already doing it now anyway. Just open it up and it'll be fine. Um, let see
0: here. Someone asked. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. How, how many more? Oh, De- Andrew, I'm not sure what you're asking me, my friend. I don't know how many more what, sir? Try and ask me that again. Um. Final question would be, um, just from a CSAC point of view, sir, you guys are in your first year with the new CSAC for lack of a better description, how things, how things settled down. How's everybody adjusted to the new, and I know you've got some other changes coming. St. Elizabeth joins next year from memory serves, yes. right, um, yes. but how have, how's the conference transitioned into its, uh, its new life for lack of a better description.
5: I think it, it, it's gone really great. I mean, we've got a, a great bunch of schools that, that are, um, that are, are working very well together to improve to to improve the conference, the new CSAC. You know the five that are that left there in the Atlantic East now, they're enjoying their conference, and we are joining what we have with the nine schools. Um, you know this this year, I can tell you from the fall championship standpoint, we had every school represented at least one championship, and that's excluding the um, cross country championship that everybody goes to. Right. All the team championships, we at least had one. Each school had one team in at least one of the championships. Keystone won field hockey and then soccer, I was there for both at La Plume, and it was great to watch the, the Giants win a championship for the first time in those sports. Uh, Notre Dame won in volleyball, I had a great experience, I was at Juniata when they were for the volleyball regional, um, and then we had um, our women's soccer champion, Centenary. Uh, they won a championship. They beat Cedar Crest in a great game. So it was a really good fall championship season so far. On the winter with the basketball, Rosemont women's basketball is doing a great job. Yeah. They're undefeated so far. They're doing it. I believe they. Uh, I think they had a game tonight. Probably won. I have to check the scores. Um, and the men are wide open right now. We know with seven teams. Uh, Karen, uh, they've done a very nice job. They've got a great team. They're playing well. <laughs> Centenary and Keystone. They had some early some early troubles and they've won some conference games so they're getting back into the mix. And Rosemont with coach Bob, Bobby Hughes is, is hanging in there. They had a big win over Arcadia on Monday night uh, at home in their last non-conference game of the year. A uh, very good Arcadia team coached by Justin Scott, I might add. So there's a lot of parity in our league and, and, and coming forward now into the spring in Men's across, we welcome the Anjax schools in Kane, Montclair and uh, Stockton will come in and will join us as associate members, and they will compete for uh, the at-large at bid. We'll have seven. Baseball, we are added the University of Valley Forge. They will come in and they will give us seven. Saint Elizabeth will be in next year. Uh, they're for, for Wilson's the first year program. Um, you know, Women's Cross, we have our our members in that one. That should be a nice nice conference. Uh, softball will be interesting. You know, I look at before the CSAC, you could look and see okay. I could put Cabrini on men's lacrosse every year in the plaque already. Mm-hmm. I could order because they would win so many games. Now I don't know who's going to win men's lacrosse. I don't know who's going to win women's lacrosse. Baseball, <laughs> it's probably going to be Keystone, but there are some schools in there that, that will give them a ride. I'll give them that much. Softball. But it's nice to see that these teams are competing, and, and it's going to help their programs grow. Once you get in the NCAA tournament, and I, I say this for for Notre Dame in volleyball, um when I was at the national championship, I was talking to Kim Kelly, who was who was, was the coach at Carnegie Mellon. And now um, there is – they had an opening in their tournament at the end of the year. And I said to Kim, why don't you bring Notre Dame out? And I told Notre Dame, look, these opportunities are going to come along now that you've won a conference championship. Yeah. The, the, the things we want you to do, you need to build your schedule up. Um, and so it's been really good. Like I said, all nine schools work together. St. Elizabeth actually does come to our meetings. They have paid their dues. Ahead of time, so they are invited to our meetings, uh, and we want their input coming forward as we get schedules done. Um, track, we just had an Alfred State, and you know Alfred State wanted, wants to compete for a championship. Obviously, track's not an AQ sport, but they'll come down for one meet a year. It'll be Alfred State, uh, Penn State, uh, Baron, uh Franciscan, or three affiliate members plus Keystone. Uh, Cedar Crest is adding track next year. Notre Dame is going on board now. So we'll have a a, a nice track championship at Keystone. And it's just about opportunities we can give our student-athletes and a chance to compete for a championship. So the landscape for us has settled down right now. We are secure in all of our sports with our EQs. So, and like I said, all our schools work together. What do we need to do to get things done? What do we need to do to enhance our championships? And they're all for that. So. We have our meeting tomorrow at 1.30. Likewise, most of the you – not know, all the Division three conferences have their meetings at that time after the issues forum, after the association luncheon. Um, <clears throat> and then <clears throat> we will vote Saturday morning, and then all of us will depart. Some of us will stay in sunny Florida for another day. It didn't it did rain this morning, but it's, it was <laughs> nice night. About It's about 56 degrees, 60 degrees out in Orlando right now. So um, Yeah, but CSAC – CSEC life is good. Um, the, the conference is, is in great shape, and we're moving forward, and you know, our schools are working together to get things done.
0: Uh, just so you know, um, it's going to be brutally cold by the time you get back here to the uh, <laughs> mid-Atlantic region, so that's my gift to you for enjoying Orlando's yeah, weather.
5: Yeah, I figured. That's what I figured. I, have a, I get back 10 o'clock Saturday night, so it'll be quite frigid. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it.
0: Hey, bud, appreciate the time. Thanks so much, um, and no we'll catch up with you. I have a feeling you might be making an appearance next week just because you love our happy hour.
5: Yeah, that sounds good. I'll be
0: around. All right, bud. Take care. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it.
5: It's always a pleasure.
0: Awesome. He is James Wagner. Appreciate him taking the time to join us, as he always seems to. If you got, um, we're going to wrap things up here. A couple of notes. First, we're going to quickly go through the women's top twenty-five results. Also, a couple other notes here and there as well. Um, let's see. First off, uh, hats off to Steve Moore at Worcester. One. Win number 750 for just his time there, if you can believe it. He's won now 837 games overall. He's now won 750 there at Worcester. Congratulations. He is also going to be a member of the 2019 Ohio Basketball Hall of Fame induction class, and uh, he will be honored about that on Saturday. So congratulations to Steve Moore. Um, I got this little note about... um, Uh, MIAA men's basketball Uh, Olivet won at Calvin for only the 13th time in school history and for the first time since 2009 Um, you have to go back to 1986 for another occasion so Olivet men winning uh, at Calvin for the second time since 1986 that is incredible to say the least for prideful moment uh goucher catholic reengaged uh familiarities yesterday uh in their rivalry per se i i have yet to do the full math on this but i believe it was only the second or third time in that rivalry that dates back to when goucher um entered the 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 cac i think in their third season and that was the late 80s i, I could be wrong early 90s i'm sorry um that both teams entered the game below 500 with records. Uh, The last time I know was in 2010. I can't remember if it happened twice in that season or not, and then I'd have to go really deep dive and figure out when the last time it may have happened. Um, Ended up being a dandy of a game. Uh, Goucher tied it on a steal and a three-pointer with 3.2 seconds left. Actually hit the three at the buzzer. Uh, Forced overtime in a game, by the way, the first half was all about runs. Second half was all about back and forth and then overtime, and Goucher ended up winning it in overtime. So the first time Goucher has beaten Catholic since, I think it was 2013 or 2014. First time they beat Catholic at home since 2003. Guess who the Catholic head coach was in 2003? Mike Lonergan. Uh, So Steve Howes has won every time Catholic has come to Goucher until last night. Mike Lonergan loses his last season at Catholic, his last road game at Catholic. That was the last time Goucher won a game against Catholic at their own place. Which goes by the way into the joke, it used to be that um Catholic always won at Goucher, Goucher always won at Catholic. And so Catholic's place was the SRC North, Sports and Recreation Center North, and Goucher's location was nicknamed DuFour North. Or I'm sorry, SRC South and do 4 North. It was a running joke between Pat, myself, friends of ours like Ray Martell, and the like. It, it was just fun. So it was nice to see that kind of game have a little bit of a shot in the arm. Um, and it, it, you go to the Olivet there with Calvin. Pretty impressive. Speaking of the MIAA, tune in next Thursday. Big news surprise announcement. Check in with us next Thursday during the marathon show, which we point out uh, will air a truncated version. We're going to go noon to eight is our tentative schedule. Now we're putting everything together. I know it shouldn't be tentative a week out, but for personal reasons, we've had to make some tough decisions on this show. Um, To be honest with you, I even debated about just killing the marathon and doing uh, a traditional show on that Thursday, but we're going to, we're going to go with a longer show. Most likely 12 to eight will be our game plan. Maybe one to nine, something like that um it won't be the full 12 hours personal reasons a lot of things behind it but just understand we will get out more information uh starting hopefully tomorrow and then early next week and we got some great guests lined up we look forward to having that show um women's top 25 quickly rather quiet first time we've been able to say that all year DePaul we mentioned earlier lost to Wittenberg last night 65-61 interesting enough they've got Oberlin coming up we just had Oberlin's coach on the show so DePaul's uh, the schedule isn't getting any easier. Misericordia had their first loss of the season. They lost to Kings 80-70. to 70. Uh, They'll have FDU Florham coming up, but Misericordia taking their first loss. They still haven't even played sales because of weather. That's coming up in about a week and a half or so, I think, off the top of my head. Otherwise, nobody took any losses. By the way, breaking news, Thomas Moore has a game this week. <laughs> they will take on Geneva on January 26th, to their 23rd game of the season. Mm. Um, A receiving votes category, Eau Claire lost to Oshkosh. Hats off to Oshkosh. Women are really playing well. Um, And Loris lost to 18, Wartburg. No surprise there. Loris is a good team, but Wartburg's a a pretty solid team right now, to say the least. Thank you, Mark, for the kind words. Um, Appreciate that. Uh, There was something else I thought. Hold on, double-checking. Thank you, Andrew. Um, Let's see here. There was something... I uh, swore that was, I guess, not that important. Um, uh, my blog's out for the top 25, by the way, if you missed that. That one is out as well, so check that out. Oh, it was email. I was going to double check to see if we any, got any surprise emails. I don't think so. By the way, um, WAGS appeared on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. You should point that one out. Uh, All interviews on the Hoopsville Hotline are courtesy of our partners at Blue Frame Technology and their industry-leading production truck software. Is your college ready to showcase its teams through a reliable and innovative video streaming service that won't break your budget? Blue Frame's advanced digital broadcast tools will help take your broadcast to the next level. Learn more today by visiting www.blueframetech.com and tell them that I sent you. Uh, Make sure you mention us and the show when you give Blue Frame a call about your streaming needs or your production needs, you can get that production truck software without uh, streaming with them. But we, hey, why not stream with them as well, right? Um, that's going to wrap us up. We're going to get off the air here. Sunday, back on the air, 7 o'clock Eastern. And again, a week from tonight, we will be on the air, most likely done and dusted already with a marathon. Um, but look for the marathon show coming up next week um and with that i'm going to double check we don't have anything else before we wrap up with one last thing um yeah i guess that oh by the way elmhurst had a was it augustana on the ropes and uh a technical foul two technical fouls cost him that game really interesting what's going on in the top 25 folks there is a lot of good teams we didn't get a chance to really dive into it today but a lot of good teams in division three and um it is worth tuning into, to say the least. Uh, with that, I want to take a moment to, um, n- well, first off, Nazareth's men's basketball coach died uh, late last week. We didn't get a chance to mention that former coach. He ran the Wendy's Classic, and our hearts are out to the Nazareth family. But one I did want to mention was Gallaudet's assistant coach, John Perry, who passed just the other day. Unbeknownst to me and many others, he had been in a coma for several months after taking a fall and apparently suffering a head injury. John was an alum of Gallaudet University, played with them in the early 90s, played with them to success. Their first conference win against Catholic in the CAC, I should say in conference tournament action. Uh, They went on to play Goucher. I remember that game pretty pretty vividly. John uh, ended up being a longtime assistant coach on and off again for the Bison. He I can't think of very many times where I saw the bison where John wasn't on the sideline. Um, he either had a smile, he either had something nice to say. Uh, I interacted with him not a lot. I didn't get to know him very well, but I always knew he was there. I always knew as a public address announcer, he was the one signing the information to the team, knowing like introductions and stuff. He ended up being the cattle uh, the the, co- uh, the connection between you know officials and staff and whatever players. John Charles Bird Perry, graduate of 96, died after being in a long coma uh, just the other day. Our hearts and thoughts go out to Gallaudet, and we will leave on that note. This show presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. We appreciate your time in tuning in, and we hope your thoughts are with John and his family and the Gallaudet family as well. Good night, everybody.